0: Welcome to the choir room There's always room for you If you're a fan of Welcome back to a special episode of The Choir Room. We have a real treat for you today. As I can imagine, you've already seen exactly what it is in your feed. uh, But we just want to set it up for you here as what you're about to hear today is on both feeds of uh, not just our feed. It is also on the feed of The Real Weird Sisters, a fantastic podcast that covers all things in the Harry Potter universe. And we did a little bit of a crossover episode with them. of course i mean well this is you know just a little introduction here but i am not alone i have amon with me as well and amon tell them all about what we just did and what they're about to hear yes
1: so i have to imagine that people that grew up with glee also grew up with another popular story that being harry potter so we decide matt was actually matt's idea so props to matt he gets all the uh, all the credit here we decided that we would team up with the Real Weird Sisters. They are a pretty big um, Harry Potter podcast that focuses on recapping um, Harry Potter uh, chapter by chapter, like like the same way that we do with the Glee episode. So we are actually going to be sorting all of the Glee characters. I am super excited. I have been a fan of theirs for about a year and a half now as I've been uh, rereading the Harry Potter books. So. To get them a part of this project has been uh, a personal podcasting bucket list thing that I can mark off now. And I'm super duper excited. I really hope that you guys enjoy it because it was I couldn't stop. I've been annoying all of you, I'm sure, in the latest episodes about this, uh, this podcast that we had coming up. So I'm just glad that it's finally here. We can put it out. Secret's out now. And I'm excited.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of fun uh, sorting all the characters and talking through a couple. A couple debates came up as you're about to hear. So uh, definitely oh, yeah. check check out the Real Weird Sisters. They are on Twitter at Real Weird Sister. Uh, you know, of course, check out their feed as well. You can download it twice. Uh, give a give everybody some love with the downloads and you know any kind of comments. Uh, of course, tag us all on Twitter on social media and let us know what you thought. So that's really it. Just wanted to set you guys up for what you're about to hear. We hope that you enjoy it and. And uh, let the sweet music of the Real Weird Sisters take you away.
2: May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the Real Weird Sisters please stand up? We're gonna have a problem here. We're the Weird Sisters, we're the real Weird Sisters. All you other Weird Sisters are fine, but not the victors. Well, the real Weird Sisters, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Hi, and welcome to the Real Weird Sisters. I'm Martha. And I'm Alice. And today we're here with a very Gleeky sorting hat. Um, we are here to sort one of my uh, biggest obsessions from ninth grade. Um, that is <laughs> Glee. Alice, are you excited? I am very excited.
3: I only wish that we were recording in person together so I could throw a slushie on you because I feel like that would be pretty good setup for the show.
2: Yeah, well, I'm very ready to Gleek out, um, which was like all of my statuses on Facebook for <laughs> about six months in 2010 <laughs> were all about Glee. Um, so I'm going to be channeling my ten, year, 10 years previous self for this episode. I'm very excited. And I'm also very excited for the guests that we have today, which are the the co-hosts of the Choir Room Glee Recap Podcast, Matt Lagory and Amon Adwin. Um, welcome to the show, guys.
0: Hey, thank you. Thank you guys for having us. We're so excited, especially Aman. He hasn't shut up about it since we talked about it like a month ago.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm super duper excited. I found the Real World Sisters podcast maybe a year and a half ago. I started rereading the books uh, to a friend of mine. I had this thing where I just pick a random person in my life and I asked them if they'd like me to read Harry Potter to them. And last summer I started with my best friend from home and you know, when she when she left, because she was living with me for a little bit, and then she left, and then I was like, you know what, I kind of still want to read and talk about Harry Potter, but no one wants to talk about it with me. And so I found you guys' podcast, and I've been listening pretty much ever since. So I'm really, really excited to be joining forces here and talking about two of my most favorite things in the entire world, one being Glee, and of course, one being Harry Potter in the Wizarding World.
3: This is going to be <laughs> awesome. We were so excited that you guys were interested in doing this, because... Um, we've had so many people request that we do a Glee sorting hat and we've had it on our list forever because both Martha and I were big Gleeks back in the day. Um, so this is going to be perfect.
0: Yes, I'm. Yes. So, I'm excited myself. As uh, as I would say, probably the least knowledgeable Harry Potter fan on the panel here today. Because I mean, I'm obviously at least number three, and <laughs> I feel like Aman is a little bit uh, a little bit higher than me. Um, although I believe I've been well, I believe you, Aman. You haven't been to Harry Potter World. Does that count? Uh, since I, I have.
1: Oh no, I have been. I oh, have I thought been. you
0: hadn't. Damn. Well, all right. Well then I have nothing.
2: Neither Alice <laughs> nor I have been, so you've got us beat in that Ooh, in that category
0: right. Matt. <laughs> no, haven't, uh... yeah, I know
2: it's... it's it's really sad. Yeah, unfortunately.
3: I, I got
0: my trip in actually a couple months ago, like right before this all started. So uh, really good timing on my end. That I is mean, really I good timing. Kind
1: of understand because like Montana, I mean it's a bit of a trek. Okay, I get <laughs> it. There's but... a thing, yeah for Martha like like, come on now
3: (laughs) that's like the reason we haven't done a ton of things it's sad when you live in Montana it's a huge barrier to access for lots of different activities
2: it really is um and now that I mean obviously it's closed right now but then with all the JK Rowling stuff it's gonna be kind of not so exciting to go to Harry Potter land um right now so we're kind of I feel like I missed the boat on going and being excited about it now
0: yeah, know. That
1: sucks. you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that you guys have had many conversations about it since it started. And one thing that I will say is, I'm definitely on the team of don't let anything steal your joy. And while it is so disheartening to have Miss Rolling uh, out here in these streets, while it on Twitter and then doubling down and then tripling down and then quadrupling down, um, you know what? Like Harry Potter, it doesn't really belong to her anymore. It belongs to all of us. So. I say still go, I say live your life, I say buy a wand, go to Ollivander's, drink some butterbeer, because that has nothing to do with Miss JK anymore, that has all to do with the memories that you have created, and uh, passing down this story to everyone else who's going to, you know, enjoy it just as much as you did, so I I, I feel the pain, I definitely do, because Miss JK has been one of my idols for such a long time, and now I kind of have to scratch her name off that list, or burn her uh burn her face away like (laughs) Bellatrix's face. But you know, it is what it is at this point, you know.
3: Yeah. It is. It's a major bummer, but I, I I totally appreciate that perspective. And that's kind of what we're trying to remind ourselves and we're trying to continue to bring Harry Potter joy to the world, even though um a lot of the fans are really bummed out right now. We're trying to like focus on the positive. So um yeah, someday we will go to the wizarding world and maybe maybe at that point J. K. Rowling will have decided to to quit Twitter. um, And then we can kind of just forget about it even more. (laughs) But we'll see. That's a that's a long way in the future,
2: probably. Yeah, (laughs) well, we will see. But one speaking of Harry Potter joy, one of the things we're trying to do is do more sorting hats this summer. And this Glee one is the perfect opportunity. So um, before we get started on sorting, um, Matt and Amon, if you guys want to give a little plug for your podcast, what do you guys do? How long have you been talking about Glee? Um, Just for people who might not be familiar?
0: Yeah, sure. We've uh, we actually got this started at the beginning of this quarantine. It was kind of an idea that I I had like personally been floating around for a while. I think Amon had also been thinking about it on his end, uh, you know, uh, separately. And then at one point, it just kind of we came together. He, I think, was the one who said, "Oh, we should do this." And I was like, "No, let's. It's not a." Not a good idea. I don't think it's actually going to work. Plus, who could have guessed that we would be spending the next three, four months inside with unlimited time (laughs) to do it all? So luckily, you know, he uh, he did do a lot of convincing to get me going for that first episode. And then, you know, it led to the second and then the third. And then as we just kept rolling, all of a sudden now we're three seasons deep into this uh, new podcast, which, yes, it's called The Choir Room, uh, you know, available anywhere you get your podcast, And we've been just having a great time. Uh, we literally are recording an episode every single day because, again, we are all locked inside. Uh, you know, things are opening up now, but we have been locked inside with not much to do. So we've been. Just Mm -hmm. watching the show and keeping things going And we've been having a lot of fun
1: Yeah, it's crazy It it really, um, I mean, I've always wanted to do Some sort of like Lee podcast thing Because I've had so many thoughts Swirling in my brain surrounding the show For the longest time And it's nice to be able to finally do that With somebody who's just as into the show as I am And it feels like we've been doing it for so long When really we only started a few months ago And we've already finished three seasons in full And we've had some off-season podcasts This being one of them now so it's it's really exciting and a lot of fun and i am glad that i get to combine forces with another podcast that i really like and yeah if there are any harry potter fans that are gleeks as well we hope that we give you a a really good show and thank you guys so much for having us on
2: yeah, well, we're definitely recommending the Choir Room podcast. I have not—I'm not caught up, but I've been enjoying listening to it as I've been rewatching Glee. So you've had—you've had a lot of crossover guests, um, similar guests that uh, our listeners might be familiar with, like Mike mm-hmm. um, and Kirsten and Haley. Um, yes. I feel like there's been more too. <laughs>
0: um who else uh, i don't know if there's anybody else that you've had on the podcast but at the very least if you do you know catch up to uh where we are in season four season five or anything like that of course we would love to have you or both you know both of you on uh at any point to Akiva, talk about. i'm
1: pretty sure you guys spoke with the
0: kiva as well oh yes
2: Yes, uh, well, yeah. we, okay. well we
0: hit him in there. We we didn't really advertise him. It was a special <laughs> surprise.
2: Understandable. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't advertise that one. Well, I'm so glad I'm so glad you invited because this was really the long con, as I was really hoping to get an invite to the choir room podcast. Yes. So as soon as you, <laughs> <laughs> you invited us or you invited yourselves on our show, I was like, Well, maybe I'll get to go on your show, Al. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I as I said at the top of the show, um, I used to be a massive Glee fan. Um eighth grade was when I discovered Glee I think I was like a year late to it um I caught up uh watching Glee over the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade when I was entering high school and it was like this dream of like what I thought high school was going to be like um (laughs) that I was like I was like just so invested in this high school culture (laughs) was that in Glee and it was like obviously there's some things in Glee a lot of things now that I'm rewatching that aren't like what you want high school to be like. But as an eighth grader, incoming ninth grader, I was like, just so, so over the top obsessed so much. So that, like I said, I posted a status a day on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> about I how obsessed we are. <laughs> um, And the, the best one was when I was really bad at marching band um, because marching band was going to make me miss the premiere of season two of Glee. <laughs> <laughs> and I had oh, a status about how mad I was at marching band. So <laughs> I was the epitome of cool in high school.
3: Well, it's it's better. Your story is at least a little better than mine because you were in eighth grade. Um, so that's an excuse. I feel like I was. If you were in eighth grade, then I was like what a junior in college. Yeah. Um, so that's <laughs> like, that's um. Uh, not quite I mean at least eighth grade like that's more of like the age you're supposed to be um, to really like enjoy a show about high school but um, I also was very hooked into Glee at the time and I mean it really is a great show of uh, just rewatching some of the episodes in preparation for this um, I mean the music is really fun and the characters are really great and it is really really funny so I mean I guess that it's not as embarrassing as I thought it was at first
0: <laughs> Can I ask what episodes you rewatched, uh, if you have any in particular that stand out uh, to prepare for this?
3: Well, I just watched, like, the first couple in the first season, and then um, I skipped ahead a little bit, and I watched um, I watched the finale of the first season, and then I watched um, the premiere of the second season, just to kind of, mm-hmm. like, trigger my memory on the different plots and stuff that I remember from back in the day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I, I I actually do remember the first season pretty well because I I watched it several times back when it came out. Like I would rewatch it frequently. So um, I probably should have focused on rewatching the second part or like the second season because that is not as clear in my mind. Um, But it was it was really fun to rewatch it.
0: Well, then I, I hope we can, you know, not only jog your memory, but maybe make some things up along the way. And I feel like with a show like this, you'll easily believe anything we tell you that uh, Santana did <laughs> this in season season two, episode 12. Uh, Kurt punched this guy in the face in season uh, three, whatever. <laughs>
2: So and so sang a duet with Artie in season four. Yeah. Yes. Martha, <laughs> you also went to a, a Glee-themed Halloween party. Um, yeah. This, this is actually something I like really deeply regret. Um, that I did dress as, <laughs> I did dress as Artie uh, for Halloween in high school, and I did have a wheelchair and I like I feel really bad about that now um I think I kind of explained it to myself as like Kevin McHale's not really in a wheelchair and that's obviously problematic now too but yeah I was that big of a Glee fan and Artie was one of my favorite characters and I thought that I looked the most like him I guess because I was (laughs) really very nerdy Um, but yeah that's a story that doesn't really it's not really as cute as it sounds I mean uh, you know going to a Glee Halloween party you're like oh cute and then the it's a reveal I feel kind of awkward about
1: (laughs) No, that's yeah. one of the slushies at least spike
2: Actually no, it was a church <laughs> Halloween party. So oh. no. <laughs> I, <laughs> there were slushies, but no. It, it was not a cool <laughs> Halloween party, let's put it that way. <laughs> it wasn't, no.
3: Um yeah. It, I was just thinking about that the other day because I was at college I was away
2: at college, so I didn't get to go to the party, uh, sadly. But <laughs> no, <laughs> well it was weird because it was like just me and my friend holly she dressed as quinn um with with a fake pregnant belly um (laughs) and then nobody else dressed as a glee character but it was a glee themed halloween party so i don't really know what that was Uh, it's a very weird memory
1: (laughs) damn they played you guys they had you dress up and no one else did that's crazy
2: (laughs) (laughs) it was actually just like a big punked episode if you yeah, ever find like, the
0: pictures, please let us know.
2: Oh, I do have the
0: picture. Oh, please send. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it was a good costume. I mean, I I definitely had like Artie's like fashion. Um, I had a like old knit vest that I found at a thrift yes. store, and um, I think a bow tie and like this the gloves that he wore. I had baseball gloves, so we're well, not baseball mitts, but like the <laughs> baseball gloves. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it was it was a put together costume, one of my probably most put together costumes I've ever had. But yeah, definitely with an asterisk on that costume.
1: <laughs> well, I am a yeah. big, big Halloween fan. And I've never thought about dressing up as a, as a uh, Glee character. But now that's definitely gonna get added to the list that I already <laughs> have mocked up okay, for see. Halloween 2020.
0: Yeah, I have, like literally this past, uh, I don't know if it was like December or January, the idea hit me. I think it was when I was doing my last rewatch before this rewatch that we're doing now. Um, I definitely thought of being a warbler for the next Halloween, which granted was going to be like 10 months away. And I texted my best friend saying, you have to get a Cheerios uniform because that's what we're going to do for Halloween. And now I'm like, afraid Halloween's not even going to happen. But if oh, it does, yeah, you know, look out <laughs> for that because I really want to do it.
2: Yeah, I feel like the Warbler's costume or the, the Warbler uniform is like pretty iconic. So that, that'd be a great yeah. costume. So much fun. Um, so before we, again, we're talking so much about Glee, we would want to talk about Harry Potter too. Uh, Matt and Amon, do you guys have um, Hogwarts houses that you identify with particularly?
1: Yes, I have taken the Pottermore... When that shit came out, I was so excited. because I was like, finally, (laughs) this is coming from the source. It's coming from Miss JK herself, so it has a little bit more weight to it. Um, I took it so many times, and 90% of the time I end up in Ravenclaw. There have been some Hufflepuffs in there. I even got Gryffindor one time, but most of the time it's Ravenclaw. It's what I always felt like I was probably going to be in um, as a kid. Uh, because I consider myself to be, you know, smart. I was one of the smart kids. I was one of the nerds. <laughs> so I, I really heavily identified with that. But I really, I really, um, when I took the, the quiz, I really tried to answer honestly. Because some of those, some of those qu- questions, you know, they don't really, because you know, some of these quizzes are really bad. And you can kind of understand if, if you answer this way, you're always going to get the house that you want. Mm-hmm. But some of those questions were very nebulous. And it sort of didn't you couldn't really figure out the pattern. And even so, even if I could figure out the pattern, I was like, come on, answer the question honestly. If you were actually in this position, what would you do? And yeah, 90% of the time, I always end up in Ravenclaw. So I am whip beyond measure, man's greatest treasure, all the way, baby. Yes, Rowena, (laughs) slay queen. (laughs) Yeah, I... I
3: Just real quick, Amon, um, based on that analysis that you just provided, Mm -hmm. I think Ravenclaw is definitely the right house for you. And like the amount of thought you put into trying to figure out the quiz and hack it and stuff. But yeah, uh, I think Ravenclaw fits you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I've been on like my own ride with uh, trying to figure out my house for the past couple years, mostly because I guess uh, I didn't put as much thought into it when I started thinking about it. I originally thought that I was also Ravenclaw, and I think I stuck with that for a couple years. Um, I don't remember if that's what I got when I first took the quiz, but whatever. Um, and then there uh, there was a brief period of time where I thought that I might have been a Gryffindor, and I think that might have just been from like some BuzzFeed quiz, which... You really can't ever trust those. <laughs> Obviously, Pottermore is the way to go, and I took that, I think, like twice just to make sure, and both times uh, it did come up Slytherin. So I am Ooh. proudly Ooh. in that <laughs> house, and I'm I'm owning it and uh, happy to be there. Well, That's good. we in the dungeon.
4: <laughs>
2: we love it's getting Slytherins on here. Yes. Because, <laughs> it's always you know, a relief get a... to get a Slytherin. We
3: get so much feedback from people saying we're not fair to Slytherins. So when we have a Slytherin on here, then we can at least say, Okay, look, this Slytherin said this as well.
0: Yeah, we're not all terrible, right? I think uh, is isn't that the thing that like everybody thinks they're all just, you know, supervillains and, and evil? Like
3: yeah, Martha uh, and I do too, especially.
0: I'm a, <laughs> no, I'm no disavow,
2: individual. disavow. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Well,
1: my dad is a Slytherin. We went and took um, my little sister. She turned 11 two years ago. So we took we took her to um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and got her a wand and everything. Ollivander actually, you know, pulled her out of the crowd so she got to, you know, be the person like has the wind blowing her face and everything. And then we made her take the the Pottermore quiz. And my dad, who is a Slytherin, my mom is a Ravenclaw. We were both like they were both fighting over her. Like she's gonna follow my footsteps. She's gonna follow my footsteps. She's gonna follow my footsteps. And unfortunately. Um, My dad lost the battle because uh, my little sister has now joined my mom and I on the Ravenclaw team, and my dad did not take it too well. So, if there's anything that I know about Slytherins, that's that they don't like to lose, and they're they're not—they're not—they're very sore winners, at least in
0: the experience I've had. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oops Is that that really resonates with you Matt uh
0: just a little bit yeah
2: <laughs> I
3: mean I'm a Ravenclaw and I'm a huge sore loser too so I I, I but I am kind of I
2: do have some Slytherin tendencies so maybe that's my Slytherin side
1: Slytherin.
3: <laughs>
2: exactly yeah, um, so yeah, we have we have no Hufflepuff representation on this podcast, sadly. No, no, no. We have two Ravenclaws, a Gryffindor, and a Slytherin, um, but yeah, hopefully we can try to be as nice about Hufflepuffs as possible, because that's the other thing that we get feedback on a lot.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, so I think we're pretty much ready to get started. The last thing we have to do before we uh, start sorting characters, though, is decide what our sorting hat today is going to be. Um, what hat um, is iconic to Glee? I'm trying to. I'm trying to rack my brains, and I always forget Ooh. to do this beforehand. Yeah.
0: Oh, so. there's. I feel like there's a million options on this. Like, I mean, you, like we you could, could do Mr. Shoes hat.
2: Fedora. No, we can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does <laughs> it have to be a hat, or can it be like an object?
2: It can Probably. be an Probably. object.
0: Yeah. What like do you one of Rachel's to mind is the is the slushy cup.
1: What were you gonna say about? Yeah. True. One of Rachel's headbands that she wrote a bunch of songs about.
0: Oh my God, the headband. <laughs> uh, but can you fit? Yeah, no, the the headband makes sense. I do
2: think the slushie might be the most iconically image, though. So I, I could well, see either one. And it's
3: kind of, honestly, the slushie would be perfect because, like, yeah. that would be how you sort them. Like, you throw a slushie on someone, and then whatever color it turns out to be, that's what house mm-hmm.
1: you're in.
0: Ooh, <laughs>
1: McKinley Hogwarts. I love it. And
0: if you need a way for the slushie to, you know, stay on your head, you can attach it to a headband, I, I guess. True. If- necessary can, so
2: if you get the like, okay. the like like triple xl slice slushy it can also function as a hat
0: <laughs> Brittany actually had a pretty ginormous drink in one of the episodes we just watched so maybe we'll <laughs> contact her
2: so it's that one specifically that's the sorting yeah. slushy
0: yeah. um, so two of season four if you okay. want to okay yes
2: I will definitely look that up for a, an image for this. Um, <laughs> all right. So we have our sorting slushy here with us today. Um, and I know, I, I don't know whether we can say like it turns the color um, as it's being splashed on the person's face um, or what, what we're, how we're going to uh, differentiate that, but we can, that's that's what, that's what decides um, at, at McKinley Hogwarts. <laughs> exactly. So um, So yeah. Let's, let's get started. Um, we'll just do a roundtable format. We have 14 main characters, and um, we are only sorting the, the McKinley Glee Club from the first three seasons, um, and then we do have eight characters for the speed round. Um, and like, like Alice and I said, we don't have the last three seasons really fresh in our minds, and then it kind of worked out with Matt and Amon and where they're at in their show as well. So we're just focusing on characters from the first three seasons. So um, Amon, as um, one of our guests, would you like to start by picking
1: a character? Yeah, so Matt and I kind of uh, we uh, put together a little list. Who was at the uh, at the top again? I forget.
0: We we figured it would be fun to start with a character who is like not, you know, not the character of Glee, but still a pretty big important character. We had Kurt at the top.
1: Yes, perfect. Okay, okay. Kurt was somebody that I really struggled with because um, he there's so he changes so much. Throughout so um, not even not even the just the series and like as a whole, but like even in the first three seasons, like just so much happens to him. Um, you know, he spends the entire first season really coming to terms with the fact that he is gay, and, you know, you know, trying to come out to his his father and have his father not, you know, kill him or disown him or whatever. Um, and then in the second season, he's dealing with the whole thing with Kurovsky, and he has to end up leaving schools, and that's where he meets the love of his life. And so the third season, he spends a lot of time with Blaine and being an old couple, and so there's just so, like, the evolution of Kurt is probably one of the more dynamic storylines, um, for any character in Glee ever, so I really tried to pinpoint what I felt was, like, the immutable quality in Kurt's character that would help me ascertain like where exactly he would land. And what I think is the most appropriate for Kurt, and it might not be a surprise, a lot of people might think this is an obvious choice, but I, I did a lot of thinking before arriving at this, I'm going to go for Gryffindor. I think that it really takes somebody very tenacious, very courageous, and steadfast, to go through everything that Kurt goes through and still manage to be a decent human being afterwards because he goes through he goes through so much specifically with Karofsky and having his life threatened and violence enacted upon him and he is still able to be kind to him afterwards and I just feel like that is like there is something that's really really strong in a character like that and so I feel like Gryffindor is the perfect space for him to be in where he can be I feel like he would just thrive in a, in that I could just see him in that common room telling bitches about themselves and trying to be, you know, a good friend to all of mankind. So Gryffindor is where I'm going to give. Uh, that's where I sort him.
2: Okay, well, I, uh, I'll i go next because I do have a disagreement here. Um, I did feel like Gryffindor was my first uh choice for Kurt. Like I definitely was just out of the gate, like, yeah, he's a he's a Gryffindor. And then I sort of was analyzing him a little more and I agree him on he was more difficult than I thought he would be. I'm fine with putting him into Gryffindor if that's where we all put him, but I do want to make the case for Ravenclaw for him because I feel like a big trait for him is his like obsessiveness. Um he's very like he latches onto things and he really goes like the full like full hog with everything um like he
4: mm-hmm.
2: with his fashion like he's so obsessed with wearing the same ou- never wearing the same outfit like he's very creative with that and he's very like everything has to be done the right way for him and then with his relationships too I think he definitely is very obsessive in that way and that is definitely tends to be a Ravenclaw trait um so that side I really feel like is very present in current maybe mm-hmm. that's more of his like early seasons trait um but yeah, I I want to make the case for Ravenclaw for him.
1: Oh, there, I can definitely agree there. I mean, he definitely is a very detail oriented person, and I think they don't we, we don't really talk too much about Kurt's grades during the series, but I would have to imagine that they're probably very decent. Like, I feel like he's someone that uh is very book smart and is you know like he always seems very put together. So I think that Ravenclaw is definitely a, a good option. But I guess what, with with what the thing that I hold on to is just like his general sense of just like righteousness, which also screams a little bit of Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's sort of just like I, I I find him, I find him to be someone that really comes into their own um, throughout the series, and I think that that uh, that's that's where that's where I get the Gryffindor vibes from.
2: Definitely,
3: yeah. yeah. So I have to agree with you Amon. Uh, Martha, you you definitely make some good points and I think like he does have some Ravenclaw tendencies, but I definitely put him into Gryffindor myself and I think for me like I was looking at who I feel like his parallel character is in Harry Potter and so I really kind of got Neville vibes from him and his storyline and just like how he kind of like learns to stand up for himself and um, he goes through a lot and he kind of like He starts out as being like a little bit quieter, um, but then he really like grows to know who he is as a person. And so that's why I felt um, that he should also be in in Gryffindor.
0: Oh man, mm-hmm. I wish I wish I was locking this in, but I'm not. I'm keeping it as a tie here. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> yeah, I had Kurt down as a Ravenclaw, and uh, let me just preface this all by saying, if anything that I say in my description sounds like I'm reading it off of like a definition of uh, these houses, <laughs> it's because I might be doing that. Um, I don't know how these <laughs> houses as down as uh, I think the three of you do, but yeah, uh, the things that I saw in Kurt were, you know, obviously lined up with, um, you know, the Ravenclaw side of things. Just I saw the creativity. The curiosity of, of Kurt way more than I saw. Uh, you know, what it takes to be a Gryffindor. I feel like the courage that Amon was talking about is largely pushed on him by a lot mm-hmm. of other characters, like his dad and Blaine. I mean, the text message that, like this iconic picture from Glee, is a text message from uh from Blaine that says courage that. Uh, Kurt then put up on his locker next to a picture of Blaine when he first met him, just reminding him constantly to have that courage. So while he did arrive there eventually, I feel like he needs that push at all times from Rachel, from uh, like I said, from Blaine or Kurt, uh, or his dad to kind of get him going that way. I feel like what comes more naturally to him uh, are qualities that that what I guess would identify with uh, with a Ravenclaw person. So um, the creativity, I think, is the number one. Now what?
2: Well, Matt, I'm glad that I glad have you on my side here, because I was ready to, like, maybe seed, but now I I really do feel like you made a very strong case, because I I was kind of forgetting about his curiosity, too, because I I do—I agree with what Amon said, that I feel like his grades are probably good. We don't really have proof of that, I guess, other than, like, he, he was able to go to Dalton, which, I mean, because he had the money for it, mostly, exactly. I feel like, but—, uh,
0: <laughs> but like just, he... just in the very last episode that we just watched, or uh, it was episode one of uh, this past season four, he was— being uh, pushed by both uh, Blaine and his dad to go off to New York and pursue his dreams. And meanwhile, all he was trying to do, this is, uh, again, season four. So you guys are, you know, at least Martha, you're a little, uh, you know, not just there yet in your rewatch, but um, he knows that New York is his dream, but he still was having a hard time bringing himself to get there. And I feel like a Gryffindor would be all about like getting there and ready to go. And he was like, "Eh, I'm fine to just hang here at McKinley for a while longer.
3: He's very well, practical. I get that. I, th- I get what you're saying, um, but I do feel like we're that's kind of more just based on like some of the stereotypical Gryffindors. But that's this is where like the Neville parallel I think really comes into play because Neville, it's not really in his immediate nature to be super brave and like stand up to adversity, but it is a oh. little bit. You know, he he comes into his own and he eventually is able to stand up for himself, and so I that's where I kind of feel like Kurt is more of that type of a Gryffindor where it's like it's because he's put in those situations that he shows his true colors in the end.
1: I feel like it's just like a silent power with Kurt most of the time, you know what I mean? And uh, I I, I don't want to use too many examples from later seasons, but just based off of like the entire arc that I see with him. Yeah. I just feel like he is Like he's a bit of a lion. Um, And I, I, yeah, I mean, he's, obviously there is a bit of a of an aptitude there but I don't necessarily know if it's mm-hmm. that pronounced because we talk about how a lot of the things that require him to be courageous were brought on by the predicament of you know having to do with sexuality like he literally had no other choice than to learn to be brave or he would mm-hmm. literally die right but I feel like as far as his wit is concerned that doesn't necess- that doesn't really it doesn't seem that pronounced to me like what in i'm trying to think of a scenario in which it re, it really took him um using his brain to weasel out of a situation and i don't ever think that that ever occurs in the entire series i feel like a lot of the the conflict that we get with kurt is him struggling with learning how to do the right thing within a relationship whether it be with blaine whether it be with rachel whether it be with anything he is I think one of the defining characteristics with him is always trying to be on the right side, which ends up pissing up pissing a lot of people off because towards the end of the series, a lot of people um throw Kurt in with like the stereotypical white gay, you know what I mean? That's sort of just like, oh, you know, like I'm preppy. I'm good. like i I, I have a good sense of like what's right. Like I am the moral compass for the rest of society. And yes, the, I think and I think that that's I think that there's a reason for that. I think it's because, Kurt is a very righteous person. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm like, that, and that can be to a fault. And that happens a lot of the time with the Gryffindors in the book. I mean, the three protagonists of the book are constantly getting themselves into trouble for trying to do the right thing. Um, they arrive there most of the time doing some questionable things, but that's always like the, what the defining characteristic is, is like, trying to be on the right path. I think that that's what Kurt speaks to.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do. I do definitely think that I could see myself uh seating here but i the one thing i was gonna say is i'm thinking of an example where kurt does use his mind to trick people i do think he plays a lot of mind games on rachel in the first season especially when he's trying to <laughs> trick her true. trying to trick her into like making a fool of herself in front of finn like the whole like dressing as sandy from grease thing that's definitely a mind mind game that he <laughs> plays there um i feel like that's pretty wily of him but yeah i i could See the, I definitely do see the Gryffindor side, and I also do like the Neville comparison. Um, so I don't know, Matt. Mm. Matt, how are you feeling?
0: I I hate to be like this, but I don't know that I see it. I oh, I you're mean, just not it.
2: I don't know
0: that I feel it. I mean, you know, I'm not going to put up a fight or anything. And like I said, you guys are, all three of you uh, know more than I would. So if, Martha, you do feel like this is leaning that way, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to fight it. But I'm looking at, like, you know, some of the weaknesses of uh, Gryffindors. And just none of them are standing out to me as anything that uh, really, you know, has to do with Kurt. I feel like he is not as, like... Like the words brave and daring obviously keep coming up uh, in everything that I'm reading and and trying to identify about him. And it's just not something that I really see for him as much. And I I totally get the Neville comparison. I just feel like Neville did come into his own over time. And Kurt, while he like, did Neville need a push as much as Kurt has needed, like all the way to the end? Well,
3: Well, in, in the
1: first book, not so much, I guess.
3: I mean, Neville didn't, it wasn't clear why Neville was a Gryffindor until really much later in the series, like probably the fifth book was about the soonest that we could tell that Neville was a Gryffindor. And and it was because they were being tried by, um, you know, the ministry and the Death Eaters. Like, that's yeah. really, I mean, it, it, he didn't like, you know, the first four books, he didn't do anything where you were like, oh, that's why he's in Gryffindor.
1: Yeah. True. Okay, Ugh. well, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't listened to any of the Sorting Hat episodes from the Real <laughs> Lord Sister, so I don't really know what we do in the case of a deadlock. But one <laughs> thing that I will say is, so the Great Hall of McKinley Warts opens up, right? And we see Kurt walking down the middle aisle, and he sits up underneath the Sorting Slushie, Right. And then the sorting <laughs> slushy is also having a debate between whether or not he's going to put him in Gryffindor or Ravenclaw. What does Kurt
0: choose? Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's,
2: that's tough, tough too. Yeah, because like. Well, <laughs> I know Kurt's such a, like, self-described diva. Like, definitely we have the diva off in season one with him and Rachel. Like, he wants to stand out. But that can be a Ravenclaw and Gryffindor thing because he wants to stand out for his talent. And I feel like talent is kind of a more of a Ravenclaw thing to want to stand out for instead of standing out for, like, good deeds or whatever. Um, so standing out, I mean, I feel like that's his biggest motivation, um, even though he, yeah. he does want to fit in in some ways. But I think more, like, that's what he doesn't even really like this at is Dalton where- is having to fit in.
3: So. I kind of feel like that's, like, a Gryffindor thing, though, because it's, yeah. like, he wants to stand out and, like, have, like, fame and glory, I feel like, sure. more. It's not just about the art for him. Like, he wants appreciation. He wants people to, like, see him for being really talented. Um, and it's not I, really just about, like, perfecting the art for
2: himself, you I know? Will say I will say one, like, Gryffindor moment for Kurt that stands out that I do feel like is his choice, is his decision to throw the diva off, even though I feel like that is a like it, he's choosing to lose and that doesn't seem like a Gryffindor thing. He's doing it for his father. Like he's trying to protect his family. And I think that that's a pretty noble thing, even though I don't necessarily agree with him doing it. I think it's his choice to do it is uh, rooted in kind of those, no, those Gryffindor motivations. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to say that he he can go into Gryffindor, but he is a hat stall because this took a long it time. Is. This is a very <laughs> long,
3: and, and I definitely do see the Ravenclaw traits in him too. I'm, I,
2: agree with all of that so and if people on twitter disagree then um i'm gonna say that i always said he was ravenclaw <laughs> <Yeah>. all right <laughs> well the, it's vote is, the vote
0: is has shifted and uh I, I guess i can concede um but yeah if there are people out there that feel the ravenclaw just know that i'm with you <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah let's go ahead and throw that slushy on kurt and hear uh, hear what the slushy has to say
1: kurt hummel the slushy has turned blue. Welcome to Ravenclaw, dearie. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome.
1: So he's in Ravenclaw now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Oh <laughs> my God! Oop, I choked. I totally <laughs> no, choked. I don't think you can change that. <laughs> I, I think it's official now. So. I, I think I think what just came out of your mouth was exactly what your gut was telling you to say. <laughs> yeah. that person Ravensclaw
1: officially started that was, that Ravenclaw. So I love this part. I forgot what he would. <laughs> I, I, so I don't funny. know the
0: change.
2: Well, can we do a do-over on the slushy? I'm a little I'm, I feel like that's
1: sacrilegious. Okay, we're going to we're going to we're going to rewind. We're going to rewind. Blah, 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 blah. Oh man. The slushy has turned red. Welcome to Gryffindor.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, great. I'm I think that what what did Finn say is the best flavor of slushy? I feel oh, like Finn no. said that blue was I the worst.
1: That, he said the blue kinds the worst, yeah, cuz it's like the most sticky, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was that was a ride. <laughs>
2: that was a ride. Um so yeah, you guys you guys have a list of that you want an order that you want to do?
0: We did, but I mean, that was just in case you were going to ask us if we wanted to go in any specific order, but <laughs> well, we we're can, more than happy to move around. We
2: can do that order if you want. If you want to like send it in the chat or whatever. Uh
0: sure. Um I can work on that if we want to uh while we talk about the next one. Okay, perfect not copy and pasteable um oh, yeah
1: well, i have like all my I notes can
0: just, like i, can it, just I have like all list. my notes mixed in there with the order um all right so the next person that we had up is uh gonna bounce right off of kurt and uh we had blaine up next
2: okay um uh matt do you want to talk about blaine first
0: Yeah, so this also had a lot to do with, I think, uh, what I was thinking about with Kurt being such a Ravenclaw. Uh, Did I read correctly that Ravenclaws and Gryffindors tend to have good relationships?
2: Well, Alice and I are Ravenclaw and
0: We have a great <laughs> well, friendship. there we go. Um, and no, that's not like the number one reason. But uh, Blaine, to me, is a, a textbook Gryffindor. <laughs> I, I, I mean, when you talk about the courage aspect of it all, Blaine was introduced to this show as a guy who pushed for uh, people to be courageous. And as you watch him just get so angsty over the course of the show, like a couple times in season three when his brother stops by and just any time that he's fighting with Finn or fighting with whoever it is, like he's just always trying to take like the moral high ground and and not try to, like he, he tries to he tries to stay above the crowd while still being like the one that's the most like, he has just such such an intensity. I don't think this is coming out the way I wanted it to, but he has, like, this intensity to him. Um, Number one thing about him, though, being, like, courageous and daring and all this kind of stuff, I feel like he is the one out in front of this relationship that's always willing to, like, go for it and put out these really intense, dramatic performances that just feels Gryffindory to me.
3: Yeah, I have to say I agree with you. I agree with you on this one, Matt. Um, I just feel like... The main thing I thought about with Blaine is just how confident he is. And I think he just, like, really projects that a lot. And that was a very Gryffindor feeling to me. And you've given a lot of really good arguments. So I have to agree with you this time. So this time we can be arguing for the same team.
0: Thank God.
2: Amon, <laughs> uh, where did you put him?
1: Yeah, this one. Because, I, you know, I really don't like obvious arguments i really like to try and think outside of the box <laughs> and analyze things here but at the same time i also believe in over <laughs> and that can be a detriment <laughs> so yes i mean kurt literally has a picture of Blaine in his locker during the second season that with the words courage on it like i mean where, uh, where uh, like uh, yeah <laughs> i mean there's really no no place else to put him he's competent he is like the pinnacle of success he's everything that kurt wanted to be um and i mean he's uh, you know he he breaks the mold of like the stereotypical gay character he's a little bit more on the masculine side not to say that gryffindor is a masculine house i'm just saying that like he is he is definitely he's a he's a fighter he um he takes up he he boxes you know what i mean like that's his hobby like he and he boxes for the soul Purpose of like not wanting to be picked on anymore. He's like, if I'm going to get picked on, I'm going to be able to defend myself. So he's someone that is just he's a brave heart. So yeah, I don't really know where else. But I mean, he's not afraid to like you know enter new spaces and be about his be about his stuff. Like I mean, he comes into McKinley once he transfers for Kurt because um, he's a little person, which is also a, a thing for Gryffindor. He transfers schools and he is not even intimidated about getting into the new directions. His audition song like. He doesn't even audition in the choir room he has like the entire cheerios like set up a whole dance number with him outside like he is just that guy so yeah there was i had no choice i I felt like my my hand was forced i feel like gryffindor is just that's where we're at with him
2: well, I mean, this is Darren Chris and he played Harry Potter in the, a Harry Potter musical, so he has oh to be well. so, Yes, um, yes. Yeah, no, I, like you, Amon, I was really trying to find another house for him, and I did think that there were some Ravenclaw traits, like, I do think he's pretty tightly wound, like, he definitely, like, has trouble loosening up about things, like, he's not very mm-hmm. lax about anything, um, but I really think that that all stems from his really deep passion that he has. He's just, like, so, so passionate about, like, performing and, like, being a a, a performer and just everything so I just feel like yeah it's he's an obvious Gryffindor but I mean sometimes sometimes uh the obvious is the truth so um right. I definitely think <laughs> I have to agree that he is a Gryffindor
0: yeah kind of and truth. it's not like there's not Gryffindor Gryffindor couples out there or anything like that but I was really feeling the Ravenclaw uh, Gryffindor <laughs> thing and uh, I guess it's very Slytherin of I me mean, to still be bringing that up <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, well, there's the Ravenclaw-Slytherin have... couples out there, too. Or, um, uh, Ravenclaw-Gryffindor couples out there, too, you know? Well, that's what I wanted.
2: Joe and <laughs> Harry, yeah. They're, they they lasted a really long time. Uh.
1: <laughs> Joe and Harry. Um, uh, wait, wait, what's the other one? Um... Penelope Clearwater and Percy, right?
2: Exactly. Yes. Good. Very deep <laughs> cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so I think Blaine was a pretty easy one, but I yeah I did want to make sure we we called out the Darren Criss reference because um, he yes. he is he is my Harry Potter. I'm not a Daniel Radcliffe fan, and I, I would have loved to, for Darren Criss to play Harry Potter in the in the oh, series. Oh, <laughs> it would
1: have been an entirely different franchise. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I um know. yeah <laughs> Alice still hasn't seen have you have you guys seen a very Potter musical I've seen it I, I, you haven't seen I the saw sequels, like
1: the, the I YouTube said. videos of it like way way back when, when it was like first come. Right. I saw, like the off Broadway productions of it but I've never seen it like professionally done after that no
2: oh me neither <laughs> I've just seen the
3: very bad quality YouTube I movies. haven't Martha was saying I haven't seen the sequels I don't want right. any listeners to freak out and know <laughs> that I have seen the first one um <laughs> So, yes, I was also thinking about, because I actually, you know, having, I've actually watched a very Potter musical more recently than I've watched Blaine. So I was thinking about that when I was getting ready for the show.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think we have no, no, nothing left to do here for Blaine, but uh, throw a slushie in his face and find out what the slushie has to say. So let's, let's hear from the slushie.
1: <laughs> Blaine Anderson, the slushie is a deep, deep ruby red. Welcome to Gryffindor, you brave person, you.
0: <laughs> what does the yeah, slushy well... sound like McGonagall?
1: <laughs> First uh, of all, McGonagall like, Scottish, if I'm not mistaken, right? That is nice <laughs> Scottish accent, by the least. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, don't they go to William McGonagall High School?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. But um, there, there you go. go. <laughs>
2: Um, Okay. So our next character that we're going to sort here today is uh, Mercedes. Um, Alice, do you want to get started with her?
3: Sure. So um, Mercedes, I was a little bit, it wasn't, I was a little bit torn because I felt like there's two main sides of her that I was kind of between. Um, And I was kind of between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff. And Gryffindor for the kind of the similar reasons to Kurt, like where I feel like she really likes to stand up for what she believes in and that kind of thing. Um, but I ended up kind of – I think I settled on Hufflepuff just because I think one of her main traits is loyalty. Um, and I feel like she is very um, – she's really into, like, defending her, her friends. And, like, she sees the Glee Club as, like, her family. Um, and so, to me, that was – what pushed me to think of her as a Hufflepuff, even though she does really like the spotlight and she wants to be kind of the center of attention in more of a Gryffindor way. So I am interested to hear what you guys think because I'm, I could be swayed, but I think for now I'm going to say Hufflepuff.
0: I saw, I definitely saw Hufflepuff in her and that was my first instinct mainly because uh, a trait that I read about Hufflepuffs was a lack of ambition. And Mercedes is very often called out for being very lazy. And that's something that we've only picked up on, or at least I've only picked up on on this rewatch, that uh, many times throughout the early seasons, she is just referred to as extremely lazy. Like when they're doing dance camp or uh, booty camp, as they call it, Uh, everyone just always looks at her and they're like, are you even trying here? Um, So there was that. But I I ultimately myself landed on Ravenclaw. Um, I don't know if that's crazy, but I just saw a line in one of the descriptions that I was reading. Again, this is all just textbook stuff. Sorry. Um, (laughs) That said, Ravenclaws get the least amount of attention in the Harry Potter series. And I was like, damn, that hits home with Mercedes, who goes three seasons not in the spotlight, even though she wishes that she was. Um, And it's just, you know, she doesn't push for herself to be there enough to the point where she gets that like as a full-time thing, she always talks about that she should be there and that she deserves to be there, which we know is true. Um, but throughout three seasons, then even all the way to the season three finale, when the seniors head off to, to graduate, uh, the story is really just not about her.
3: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. To me, that honestly is like a case for Hufflepuff though. So, um, we'll see, we'll see what Martha and Amon think, but I think Hufflepuff, a lot of the time they don't get They're not in the spotlight
2: and they don't get credit. So,
4: okay, that works.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, so I, was kind of be- like Alice deciding between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor um, for Mercedes I really felt like she has a lot of very Gryffindor traits um, and I'm again very torn I'm, I, I'll make the case for Gryffindor just because you made the case for Hufflepuff I think that she does have she a very like outspoken tendency uh, she, she does take a big stand um, for tater tots in the cafeteria so she's definitely <laughs> pushing for justice um, and <laughs> um, putting herself <laughs> out there that way yeah that's a Hufflepuff thing to argue for <laughs> that's what I was going to say though Hufflepuffs do love food so <laughs> they do love um, their food so yeah I, I know she also is a very supportive friend which can be you know any house um thinking about like when she lets quinn stay with her um after quinn has been kicked out of her parents house um so yeah i mean i maybe am making more of a case of, for hufflepuff now than i was um originally but i also can see gryffindor for her more so than ravenclaw at least okay Amon where do you think for her
1: yeah so this one this was frustrating for me because I adore Mercedes as a character but we really don't get a lot of material from her and that's that's all to do with the writing of the show right so I feel like it's they're yeah. sort of like forcing our hands in this one as well because I feel like a lot of people when sorting they always like hufflepuff is always the leftover bin right it's like okay well, if they don't if they're not cunning if they're not mean if they're not if they're not smart if they're not courageous then you just put them in hufflepuff because she'll take all the rest as it were but. I, I don't think I think that Mercedes is a strong Hufflepuff. I don't think that it's, this is just like us throwing her in there. I think that like all of you just said, she has a lot of Hufflepuff qualities. I mean, she is a she's a very loyal person. She's someone that's very reliable as well. Right? they they literally rely on her to hit so many astronomical notes at the end of every damn song that they perform. Like she is like, she's like, she is all reliable. That's what she is. And she acknowledges that as well. And she's just uh, the heart and soul of the Glee Club. Um, She is one that I feel like uh, is instrumental in making changes when pointing out injustices. I mean, she is a big reason why the Trouble Tones even became a thing in season three and which obviously made a shift for the new directions because after they have competed against one another almost beat the new directions asses they came back and you were like you know what let's put the trouble tones let's get, let's dedicate a number for every set list to them so I feel like she is someone that is all about making things equal and she wants her she wants her time in the spotlight but she's not like someone else who's going to be super duper mean and getting their way. She's mm-hmm. just like, "You know what? I'm going to step back and I'm just going to I'm going to fight for this in a smarter way." You know what I mean? I think she's tenacious when she needs to be. So like Mercedes is not no punk. She's not like don't get it twisted, but I think that the the, the warmthness of her personality shines through much more brightly. Than any other uh, negative quality, so I think it's it's Hufflepuff for sure for her.
2: Yeah, and I think that of all the like original glee club members, not not even cl- including the Cheerios and f- football players, um, the original like six members of the glee club, I think that mm-hmm. they're like Mercedes is the best friend of them like in the beginning, especially or the one who like pushes the most for them to be friends with each other, and she's so like mad at Rachel every time Rachel makes it a competition instead of just about supporting each other and stuff. So I do feel like that's mm-hmm. very Hufflepuff too. So yeah, she's a I mean she's a great character. I'm very happy to have a a great Hufflepuff here.
0: Mercedes- Mercedes is always uh, a good friend. No matter how many times Rachel annoys the crap out of her, she always I ends know. up back in Rachel's house like having a sleepover. So she's like she's always are able to look past things and just be that good friend. And there's there's even a line that I was just reading about Hufflepuffs about how um they tend to stay away from those who uh, exude self-importance and I'm like yeah, that's Mercedes <laughs> and Rachel. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, even even after having to bust the windows out of Kurt's car, she even comes back to him and is a supportive friend to him. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, very Hufflepuff. <laughs> that, yeah. That's. I, I
3: think. I think you made a good point earlier, Ramon, when you said like that. You know, a lot of times we do put uh, characters into Hufflepuff like as a backup, but I do feel like Mercedes does have a lot of really positive Hufflepuff traits. So I'm glad that we can have somebody in there. I, I agree also, though that she was um under edited by you know the way that she was written um so that part Mm -hmm. is sort of a negative um hufflepuff thing but because i think like you know ideally we would like to see her getting more leads and we would like to see her getting more storylines featured um so that's not what i'm saying that's not what i'm saying is the positive aspect but i'm saying like the fact that she is so loyal and hardworking and um Mm -hmm. so reliable like that's great to see those hufflepuff traits in her
1: yeah. yeah, and Season I mean five. the food thing, the t- the Tater Tots thing is definitely just the <laughs> icing on the cake. Like I can just totally see her befriending all of the House Elves, so <laughs> she's she's there. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's just the the Tater on Tot here. So um, let's, let's let's throw the slushy in Mercedes' face. She's like one of the characters who gets a slushy in the face like the least often. I feel like
1: <laughs> Mercedes Jones. I so gently toss this canary yellow. Slushy in your face. Welcome to Hufflepuff, my dear.
2: <laughs> it's the same color as the um, the Pavarotti is at the, the Warblers mascot.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> All right. Um. So let's move on to our next
1: character. It's a very, it's a very good looking yellow. Not the bad looking yellow. Right. Because, you know.
2: <laughs> you wouldn't want to drink that color of uh, slushy. <laughs> no. um yeah so our next character on the list is um tina um amon do you want to start with her
1: miss tina cohen chang man oh man oh man this is a rough one y'all because (laughs) tina (laughs) you know similar to mercedes she doesn't really get that much of a of a, of a, a good rep throughout the series i feel like she probably was the strongest in the first couple seasons because she sort of was, I mean, we, she had the whole stuttering thing where she pretended to stutter and then got rid of that and got over that. And she had, you know, the romance with Artie. And then she had like a, a little thing with Mike Chang towards, um, the beginning of season three with helping him, uh, you know, speak to his father about how he wants to be a dancer and not a doctor. So she definitely has a few arcs, but by and large, Tina is just so forgotten all mm-hmm. of the time. Um, But she is feisty like she whenever she does come to the front it's she lets everybody know like look I have been here the entire time and I feel like I I, I smile and I nod and I wave but I am just as good as the rest of you. I'm one of the original members of this glee club and I just feel like you guys just treat me like I'm a prop. I mean there's an entire episode called props where she's used as a prop so it was hard for me because at first glance, I'm like, oh, she's totally a Hufflepuff because she's so, she's such a team player. But I don't know. She has a bit of a mean streak, and a lot of it comes out towards the the ending of the series. I was this close to putting her in Slytherin, and I th- <laughs> think that I still might. I think that I think that Tina is a bit cunning here, and a bit biting, and a bit underhanded. And most of the time, Tina has pretty good arcs where she is, you know, seen as this kind person, because I think that she really is. Like, not everybody in the Slytherin is, of course, unkind. But she's a bit calculated and underhanded. Like, going behind Mike Chang's back to her, to his dad about the whole um dancer-doctor thing was, I mean, she was doing it for for good reasons, but it was like, man, like, you're really overstepping your boundaries here. And I feel like she is very tenacious in doing that and I mean and, and causing a whole scene threatening to quit the club because she wasn't going to get a solo at the very last like when they had finally made it to nationals for the second time it was like many of their senior years and she's like you know what like what is this Rachel Berry thing again like I don't want to be singing behind her like I feel like she waited for the right moment to really make a stink about it to get the to get the most the, the, the best response so I feel like Tina is very calculated and so I'm going to put her in Slytherin
2: yeah, I I do feel like she has a very like sassy side, and she can be kind of mean. I agree. Like, I sometimes feel like Mercedes will like criticize Rachel for something, and then Tina just goes all in and like really takes like digs the knife in deeper, like pointing out why Rachel's being awful, which like she's not wrong oftentimes, but she does kind of do it Mm-mm. in a more mean way than Mercedes. Um, but I I kind of feel like that's more of a Ravenclaw side to Tina. I do see I do see the Slytherin side, but I think that Tina like she definitely is like very like. Calculated in the way she uses her words, I think. Um, like because she's very quiet a lot, I think that she chooses when to speak, and I think that that's kind of a very much like wily kind of thing. And that could be Slytherin too, but I feel like it's a Ravenclaw thing. And she's also quite creative. Like when you look at her, um, her fashion, um, she's very into her own self expression. <laughs> um, she is clearly. Um, I think that one of her biggest plots in season one is like her the way she dresses and Figgins thinking that she's a vampire, um, and the way she. <laughs> The way she like, which she abuses. Of, right, the, the way she wiles her way out of that is by like tricking him, playing mind games on him, saying like that her dad is a vampire and that he's specially vicious or whatever. So, I think that she, um, I think she's a Ravenclaw. Um, and, yeah. And what did what did you guys think, Matt and
0: Alice? Um, Alice, you go ahead. I'm still thinking. Okay. Uh, yeah, cause cause I had I, I'll just tell you I to start off. Um, cause again, I'm, I'm not very good at this. I had her as a Hufflepuff, but I'm totally away from that now that I'm hearing bo- uh, what both of you guys just had to say.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: Um, so I, I, was, this, I agree. Tina was a tougher one to sort, um, also partially because she's not as featured in the show as some of the other characters. Um, but I kind of was, Amon was made some really good arguments for Slytherin, but I kind of had sorted her into Ravenclaw as well, like you, Martha, just because I thought of her, like when I'm, when I'm thinking of the main traits of Tina, I'm thinking like how she's kind of like alternative and like, uh, you know, her goth look and all of her self-expression, which she's very into. Um, that's kind of what... I thought of at first. And then also just like the fact that she is kind of misunderstood and doesn't have many friends at first. I felt like that was maybe, you know, more of a Ravenclaw thing as well. Um, but I can see the Slytherin thing too, especially because of some of the weird plots, like how she fakes the stutter. I feel like she sort of did that in a calculated way. Um, and yeah, just some of, some of the stuff that she does could definitely be interpreted in a Slytherin way. I just, i guess had been mm-hmm. focusing more on kind of like her outward uh presentation with like the goth look and that kind of thing
1: and she definitely has like a bit of a soft side too like i mean she cries a lot a <laughs> throughout lot. the series um so there's definitely and i also want to make the point because i'm i'm I I, I I tend to think of myself as a generally woke person i hate using the word a lot of the time so i i i i i, I don't Follow the stereotype of demonizing Asian characters because we see that a lot in mainstream media. The Asians are always playing villains. I don't think that Tina is villainous. I just think that she is calculating. I think that she is someone who waits listens, observes, and then tries to act on it later on. And i that's sort of like where the cinnamon came from. And it kind of just came out of nowhere as well. Like I didn't even think about that. I was going to put her in Hufflepuff. And then all of a sudden I started really thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? I don't think, I mean, Tina, Tina, Tina. And that's like the big thing about Tina. It's like, yeah, you—you, you, she's taken for granted a lot of the time. You—you, you, People think that she is just generally kind and sweet. But then when you get to know her, you're like, oh, OK, like there's something else underneath here. And I think that Slytherin is kind of indicative of that.
0: Yeah, I think um, I, I totally take the points about Slytherin because uh, everything Aman just said is absolutely true. But it depends on the time where you catch her. I mean, if you're catching her 95 percent of the time, it's when she, I think, is... Seemingly more on the Ravenclaw side, it's like when they give her that one or two episodes a season where they really highlight her and she shines uh, that she does have that bit of a like an edge to her where like like Amon said, she is a little bit more calculated in the things that she says and does. You're like, oh, OK, there is like there there's some, you know, intensity down there. But I think overall, what I keep going back to is, uh, Tina, you know, her first opportunity to ever get a solo, she started singing the song, got a couple notes in, got, got a little down on herself, ended up giving it to Rachel, um... Same thing happened in Season 3 as she started to want the attention and want the solos. And as things were, you know, playing out, she just she always gives in to Rachel and to the rest of the New Directions. And she's a team player where she decides that, you know, if Rachel's going to be the one that can lead us to a victory, then I'll give it to Rachel. And those things don't lead me towards um, a Slytherin. So um, I do feel like Ravenclaw is the best option here. Um, I think that she... Uh, so one of the things that I saw in uh, besides what you guys said, everything about, uh, you know, her creativity and all of her outfits, I think that's that's what also I'm clinging on to as well, because even when she is past like the goth days, uh, mm. you know, in her high school career, she still she still always dresses really nice. I mean, it's not reported on a whole lot, but she's always got like some fashion thing going on. She's always like looking good. Um, And since, you know, we don't get to see much of her, much of her, uh, we don't kind of talk about it a lot. But I, I'm going to land also on Ravenclaw.
2: Yeah, I think that she's like, I agree, Amon, that she can be very calculating, um, but that can be a trait that I think falls into both Ravenclaw and Slytherin. and I think the way that she mm-hmm. does it oftentimes is more a Ravenclaw way, um, and I agree, Matt, that she's really, I think her lack of, it's not that she's not ambitious, but she's not personally ambitious, like, she's not necessarily self-serving, like, at all, I feel like right. she's very much a team player, like you said, so i um happy to have our first Ravenclaw here.
0: Um, I mean, you have to be a team player if you're going to be Tina Cohen-Chang and still sticking around the Glee Club for three (laughs) years of your life. I mean, the the stuff she goes through just to, you know, continue being in that club, just swaying in the background for many seasons (laughs) besides like one solo at a (laughs) sectional.
2: Well, at least she got to date Mike Chang. So (laughs) she
0: got that Mm -hmm. out of it,
2: too. (laughs) Um, Yes. So, yeah, let's go ahead and throw the slushie in Tina's face. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, Tina Cohen Chang, the slushie is raspberry flavor. Welcome to Ravenclaw, dearie.
2: Oh no, that's the stickiest one. You're
1: going to be down scrubbing that off
3: the floor. (laughs) I'm always like a little bit baffled by how they claim like it's so hard to clean up a slushie. I'm like, is it really that much worse than just like cleaning up some pop?
2: i feel like it's just as easy or just as difficult
1: i just (laughs) want to know like where they keep getting all these damn slushies like
2: (laughs) they're sponsored by loaf and jug or 7-Eleven or something (laughs) (laughs) that's the main reason why you were psyched to watch glee um as an eighth grader because you thought there'd be like endless slushies in high school actually actually, (laughs) slushy water fountains we did have a slushy machine in our um school business store that like the the business club ran um uh, yep. So there were a lot of slushies. Um, I was not a big slushy fan myself, and I, but thankfully I also never got a slushy to the face either.
0: <laughs> I wish I would have. I would have gladly side-track. taken a slushy to the face. Not to <laughs> sidetrack the, the
1: conversation too much, but culinary question: Do you just do you guys just slurp your slushies down and like suck the juice out, and then just eat the ice afterwards, or do you kind of just like let it melt a little bit so that way you get equal balance of slush and flavor? Because I hate. When I suck it dry, and it's just yes. nothing but ice. <laughs> Equal
2: balance all the way. You've got, it's it's my biggest pet peeve when I see somebody eating a slushie and it's just a big pile of white ice. <laughs>
1: yes, it's so
0: annoying.
3: Okay, but here's the thing that's really annoying about slushies though, is that very seldomly do they actually have what I consider to be enough syrup. Um, so yeah. I can see why that problem arises because like the, the syrup all sinks to the bottom and you're like, like the first few sips are like, oh, wow, this tastes great. And then after like those sips, the syrup's all gone and it's just ice and it's really sad.
1: It's horrible. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't bang with um, snow cones either because they're even worse. Because at least with the slushies, like they are fine pieces up, yeah. of ice. You can mix it up. But with the snow cone, it just all goes down to the bottom. It just yeah. sinks through the crevices of the ice. It's just so stupid. I completely
3: I have a agree. I'm 100% thing.
2: with you on that one. <laughs> Matt you haven't said anything Are you on team slurp the Slurp the syrup first
0: uh, Yeah I'm, oh. I I can't wait I just gotta get all that Red slushy liquid Classic Cherry Slytherin. down Yeah, Red
1: dye number 7 or number 40 gotta, I gotta
0: it. just get it all and whatever's left over I'll wait till it melts a little bit and then I'll just scoop up The rest later with the end of the straw that's supposed To be a spoon but does nothing
2: ends am I right <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs>
0: oh.
2: Um, uh, okay, well, getting back on track, um, we'll go on to our next character in that is Artie Abrams, and since I um, was a big Artie stan back in the day, um, I can start with him. Um, Artie was, used to be one of my favorite characters. This is kind of like every character that I'm going to share was one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> upon rewatching, I'm like really definitely questioning what I was like as a 13, 14-year-old, because Artie is actually the least problematic of my favorites on the show. Um, and yeah, so I'll just start. I feel like Artie, one of his biggest traits here is that he really does want to stand out, even though he does, like, Tina feel like a prop at times in, in terms of the way the New Directions um, places him in, in the choir? Um, he really is motivated, I think, by, like, wanting to be a star. And, like, his we know, like, his dream is to become a dancer. And, like, he really hates feeling like he can't help himself, like, with the, the ramp and stuff. Like, he really does not like when people pity him which obviously makes sense but I think that all of those things are very very Gryffindor traits because he's very um motivated by being in this not the spotlight exactly but like standing out showing his talent to the world definitely wants to be um like showing his courage all the time so and I do think he is very brave in a lot of ways too so I put him into Gryffindor Uh,
0: I I had him down as a couple different things. I kind of bounced him around a little bit. Um, what I have on my paper right now that I'm definitely not locked into, I actually said Slytherin. Um, I felt a little bit like he, in, in like, I guess a similar way of what Aman was saying earlier about Tina, where it's like not the thing that gets highlighted the most about him, but underneath it all, like he is kind of evilly well i don't know sorry i know slytherins aren't all evil uh speaking for myself um but he has like this like nature about him where he is kind of always being douche um not all the time but very often being a douche and not considering other people's feelings kind of only considering clutching her pearls right now
2: (laughs) no i agree
0: (laughs) Like kind of, kind of only considering himself in many things, and uh, like, but it's also there's a balance there because obviously the situation that already that like life has put Artie in, has him you know somewhere where he knows that the world doesn't revolve around him because he's had to. Face So many different obstacles where he's not been able to do what everybody else can do. He can't dance. He can't do this. He can't do that because of the limitations he has by being in the chair. Um, he does over time, you know, kind of develop a new dream to, you know, not be, if he's not going to be able to be a dancer, um, he does want to eventually take up directing, which he does go like full force on. Um, we just recently today watched an episode where he was going to be, uh, he was trying to be v- Brittany's vice president. So he was into having that like power position, Um, so yeah, again, uh, not great with like identifying exactly which traits or which house this trait these traits belong to, but does it sound like I'm saying anything Slytherin like?
3: There's definitely Slytherin aspects to what you're saying, but also some Gryffindor aspects, I think. Um, just, just like the, but, but Gryffindor and Slytherin have so much overlap that I can see what you're saying for (laughs) sure. I, I totally see both of those houses. Um. I personally kind of got stuck on the sweater vest, so I put him into Ravenclaw. But I
4: had that too.
3: I think that I uh, and the glasses. Act- actually, now that I'm remembering more of what Artie was really like, I don't think he's really that much of a Ravenclaw. So I, I I feel like I'm I'm now in between Gryffindor and and Slytherin, and like I said, there's so much overlap between those two houses in some ways that I'm I'm kind of torn on. I don't I don't know which one yet.
1: I mean, we see towards. Um, the third season that his new dream is to become a director, right? Like he really wants to be in charge and control um, everybody else's, you know, positioning. And even a little bit in season four, we're not talking too much about the later seasons, but in the middle of season four, the Glee kids are, wanting, once Rachel leaves, they're trying to figure out who's going to be the new Rachel. And then Artie gets appointed as the person that gets to decide who becomes the new Rachel. So he's definitely like ambitious in that respect um he likes to uh he has he has a vision and he can be kind of like cutting and like straight to the point um he kind of like he said has like this no this no holds bars um kind of attitude so that is a little bit of slytherin in there it's a little bit of Ravenclaw, but, like, I feel like Ravenclaw is, like, what he outwardly presents because of the look, but on the inside, he definitely is a little more, like, he wasn't afraid to call a poor, innocent, sweet Britney stupid to her face, and he was dating her at the time, so it's like, damn, bro, like, <laughs> chill down a little bit, so
2: I, I'm kind of, I can,
1: I, I initially wrote down Ravenclaw, but now that Matt has said that,
2: I'm kind of I'm leaning
1: towards Slytherin now. I
2: feel like there's a lot of plots, though, with Artie where he's, like, on his moral high horse about stuff. Like, he's really, really mad at Tina about the stutter, and he's really mad at Brittany about, um, like, sleeping around and stuff or whatever. Like, he, he has these very, like, set morals that I feel like he's very, like... Righteous about and that's definitely if we're deciding between Gryffindor and Slytherin I think that's definitely more of a Gryffindor thing like that he judges others for not having the like same morals that he has I think that he definitely puts those on to people and he's on his high horse about mm-hmm. it a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: But I I don't want to take Ravenclaw completely out of the Mm -hmm. conversation here. I do feel like if uh, there was Ravenclaw, you know, thoughts going on, I feel like just a lot of the things that I'm seeing about uh, Ravenclaws, I feel like does kind of line up with him. There is, uh, you know, obviously the creativity aspect of it is uh, the fact that he wants to be a dancer and then he also wants to be a director. Like he has a vision and he's Mm -hmm. always, you know, thinking of what the project can turn into. I see individuality as a big Ravenclaw thing and uh, he is not somebody who ever you know is is following the the crowd of like whatever the the rest of the glee kids are doing like he'll go and he'll have a good time like the alcohol episode like he was happy to go and you know tag along but he just i don't know he has big sidekick energy what's a is does sidekick have any like particular house that makes more sense than another
2: uh that could be ravenclaw honestly but yeah i, w- I would say that um I have to I have to ask, would a Ravenclaw really try to get on the football team because he wants abs? And his logical argument would be that he could be a battering ram in his wheelchair. Like that's that's a Gryffindor argument for. Being I don't know. I guy. don't
3: know. That's almost a Ravenclaw thing to me because that's like the the poor nerd that you know all the jocks take advantage of
2: you know yeah, but the raven Ravenclaws don't want to like the, he's he's the poor nerd who's in gryffindor like he wants to be mm-hmm. cool he wants to be on the he wants to have abs mm-hmm. like mike chang like and i feel Maybe, like
3: but i feel like that was more of a phase for him like he <laughs> you know it was, was like a Came ton of nowhere. nerds <laughs> a ton, yeah a ton of nerds like at some point want to be cool you know so i feel like that that maybe was more of a Ravenclaw type moment for him, and the battering ram. I mean, it was a pretty creative idea. I, I actually that was one of the episodes <laughs> I watched, so I have it semi-fresh in my mind. Um, I, I don't know.
0: I. I see he, arrogance really is also character. listed as a trait, and uh, Artie can very much be arrogant at many times.
1: He, he can yeah. be very arrogant. <laughs> that
3: was what I was actually coming back to. That was putting pushing him into Gryffindor for me was how I did. Really, you get a huge arrogant vibe from him quite a bit of the time, and but I don't know. So
1: this is tough hard. One, but... Wait, characters... so what have you locked in on, Matt?
0: Um, I mean, I'm leaning. I guess I was leaning uh, Ravenclaw, but I, because well, that's tough because I I still had Slytherin written down, and um, I guess a lot of the things that I was saying were leading towards Gryffindor, so. <laughs>
3: You know what? I would kind of be okay with for him. Like I know I my argument for Ravenclaw originally was not a very strong one, but um if if he is a Ravenclaw, I could kind of see him being one of those like sort of bad Ravenclaws. Like he's kind of like a and we've we've heard so many times um that supposedly uh, that um, the second most dark wizards come out of Ravenclaw after Slytherin, and we we don't really see a whole lot of examples of that in the books, but that's supposedly what it is. And I c- kind of could see it for Arty, where it's like he's maybe not quite conniving enough to be in Slytherin, or like, but he I don't know some of his like <laughs> some of his negative traits could push him to be like kind of a, a bad Ravenclaw.
0: He's very witty and very quick. He's got like one liners ready to go at all times. Um he's very quick to like if somebody like like I don't know, just I guess the one liners is, is really my point with like, that. Like he... I
1: feel like sorry to interrupt, but I just okay. feel like if if Artie could walk, right, if he was not held back by his wheelchair, he would be an asshole. That's just how I That's feel why
2: about he's it. But Slytherins too. They're both. That's why it's tough because I, they're both. I feel like we're deciding between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw now, and I really, I mean, I I see the Ravenclaw side for in some ways, and I just feel like there's so many things that Artie does that are so Gryffindor. Where he's just like, I just think that would would a would a Ravenclaw take so many rap solos? Really?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's a very. But brave I just story. feel like
2: there's. I I know you were saying
3: that he kind of like has like a moral code, but I don't really like. See him standing up for the little guy very often. You know what I mean? Like, I and feel like he's. It's himself? well, I was gonna say it's more about himself. Like, so that's where to me I'm almost all, like
2: Slytherin is really kind of what I feel for him. Oh man, I don't think he's a Slytherin. I would be fine with putting him into Ravenclaw over Gryffindor, but I don't think he's Slytherin.
0: Oh man, Aman, where are you where are you at?
1: See what I'm really I'm really thinking about like and I know that we shouldn't be doing this but I'm thinking about like seasons four five and six especially like a, a particular arc in season five is very Slytherin and I'm like I don't
0: <sighs> yeah that's what I'm saying like deep t- like a like piece of he, me he is going tra- to I'm tr- that place
1: I'm, I'm trying to temper myself because a piece of me is very attracted to putting audience in Slytherin because I feel like it's an out of, it's like I feel like it's an unorthodox out of the box choice but I don't want to do it for the sake of being <laughs> of being like incendiary, you know what I mean. So I'm really trying to like think.
0: I'm I'm fine to close the book on Ravenclaw. I feel like um we're we're leaning more I, towards. I'm one not strong at
1: all. It's between Gryffindor and Slytherin for me, and I feel like <laughs> okay. I might. I think I'm gonna say. Ah! I think I'm gonna say. <sighs> mm! You know what? There's a reason in there's a reason in the props episode when they all switch bodies that already becomes Santana. Okay.
0: Yeah, because that's exactly Artie what, Artie I what I was thinking Already
1: is Santana. Yeah, already is Santana. He's just in a wheelchair, and so people just ignore him most of the time. I'm gonna land on Slytherin for him. Mm, okay. Go,
2: well, I guess
3: that's I'll a go with that as well. Plurality, Yeah, <laughs> I, I I feel. T- I feel the same way. Like, I honestly, I did not expect him to be so controversial, but, um, yeah, he's, I think he's a Slytherin there as well. Is,
1: there, there are some people listening to this and they are like, how dare you guys do this to Artie? This is like slander. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I'm not a huge Artie expert yesterday when I texted Martha
2: about something about Artie, I was, I accidentally called him Archie. So, Oh no. Um, and I was like, who's Archie? And she didn't even get that. She was like from Glee. <laughs>
0: that's great yeah, no, Aman. I keep going back to that scene as well. When he uh, there's there's an episode in season three uh, that they all kind of switch characters for a brief moment after Tina hits her head, and he switches with Santana, and it fits him so well. But it's like, wait a second, he's kind of like this all the time, not just when he's switching with Santana. Like that is uh, deep down. Even though he has times where he can be good, it's like uh, pointing out like there there are some good Slytherins, like some non evil ones, and I think Artie is a great example of that. So I feel like I'm gonna stick you there. So does that make it? Does that make it? so or uh to yeah we,
2: we've got to hear from the slushy but it does make it so okay <laughs> so let's, let's hear from the slushy
1: now arty abrams it was a tough one my dear but the emeralds are raining down in the slushy welcome to Slytherin.
2: Well, if anything, I will say that Artie probably is happy to be on Slytherin because it's like the cool house in some ways that he definitely does uh, want to be popular. So that's yeah, that's fine. Definitely... It... <laughs> interesting. I was Slytherin. not expecting this. Yeah, he is our first Slytherin. Very interesting. Um... Very interesting. Okay, so our next character um, on our list here is Mr. Shu himself. And this is... <laughs> This is You're my other
3: favorite.
2: <laughs> Not my favorite anymore at all. Just to be clear. Uh, but he is the character that I was the most in love with uh, as a high schooler. Um, and, yeah, I don't I don't really want to go into it, but I I love <laughs> Mr. Shu like so much. <laughs> so yeah, where, where did uh, you sort Mr. Shu Alice?
3: Uh, well, I, I will just fess up to the fact that I also had a huge crush on Mr. Shu, And I don't know if that's more or less problematic. The fact that I was like a, a college student, like maybe I should have been able to understand that he was kind of a weirdo or the fact that like, I actually, at least I was an adult and not in a position where I was like having a crush on a teacher um, like you were, Martha.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so I don't know. But anyway. Um, Yeah, it's kind of weird watching it back because I do feel like I have a totally different perspective on Mr. Shu now. Um, But for me, this was another a little bit tough one because I feel like I was a little bit between Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Um, I guess I'll come down on the side of Ravenclaw for now just because I felt like he is such a nerd about the Glee Club and how, you know, there's the whole scene where Emma shows him the picture or shows him the video of him when he was singing in the glee club. And he said like, that was the happiest moment of his whole life so far. <laughs> um, and it's that like a
2: great life,
3: <laughs> right? Well, that's where I feel like he was a little bit of a Ravenclaw because it, he was so passionate about that. And um, you know, it was when he was doing his art that he felt the best in life. Um, you can kind of take that scene either way though. Cause I do feel like the, it, it's a little bit of a Hufflepuff moment too, to think like, that maybe he's gotten trapped into a life that he doesn't really um, that he's not really happy in. Um, but I think I'm going to stick with Ravenclaw for now.
2: Interesting. Um, personally, I didn't think about Hufflepuff at all for him. I was uh, kind of thinking Ravenclaw, but really I felt like a lot of his traits led me towards Gryffindor for him. Um, he's Very, like, confident in a weird way. Like, this is, like, especially after divorcing Terry, he really finds his confidence. Um, But I just think that, like, his biggest flaws, I think, are very Gryffindor flaws. That he's very, like selfish in a way of like I'm the best person and I'm going to be the best person mm-hmm. like he's he's obsessed with being a good person like when we have this whole plot with uh Coach Beast at the beginning of season 2 where he and Sue want to be like against Coach Beast and it's like they're going to take Beast down and stuff um but then he ends up starting to feel really bad for the situation and Sue is like Trying to be really, really like malicious and Will just can't do it because he wants to be like the big the best person in the room. So I, I just really feel like he's a Gryffindor. Um and his leadership, I mean, I, that's a Gryffindor trait. I just feel like all his fights with Sue end up leading towards him being like, that's not the that's not what a good person would do. And I feel like that's very, very Gryffindor.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's uh, definitely really self righteous. Like he is <laughs> always talking about like you know giving he's always lecturing somebody even when they don't (laughs) need to be lectured like at the beginning of every damn competition it's like a whole soliloquy it's like will you shut up and then like with the whole thing with like Emma and like trying to like force the OCD out of her at some point it's just like what are you doing sir like can you calm down yeah so I I think Gryffindor is definitely, he's an annoying ass Gryffindor. He is <laughs> like, he's like a mixture of like Percy and like Oliver Wood. Like, he just will not let it go. Like, he's competitive as <laughs> hell. He always has to win the fight. He's always fighting with Sue. And yes, he doesn't like go to the great lengths that Sue will go, but he will always like try and like, you know what? I'm going to beat her at her own game. I'm going to be so damn kind to her. Like, and it's just like, right. Ugh. <laughs>
2: So annoying, (laughs) yes. (laughs)
0: I yeah, literally... I'm also gonna I'm I'm also leaning towards Gryffindor. I, I did have Hufflepuff kind of on my radar for similar things to what Alice was saying, just kind of like uh there's a there's a couple things uh as I scrolled through, you know, Hufflepuff qualities that I was like, okay, he's kind of got that. But I think at the end of the day, everything you guys are saying about Gryffindor really stands true to him, especially the annoying aspect of uh the being <laughs> the Gryffindor. It's just he is just somebody who uh, you know very very i think self-righteous is probably the best way to to sum it all <laughs> up as he is always thinking about like what can i do to be the one that affects whatever's happening right now how can i go forward and help this person and change their life and make this person better and how can i get the glee club to nationals and to regionals and all this kind of stuff because these are my dreams that i want to live out and all this you know um i think overall yeah i'm, I'm definitely on gryffindor
1: like if yeah. the Marauders had a fifth person, <laughs> it would be Mister Shu. Totally. And his animagus would be like a fox or something. Like
2: Not he's... a compliment. <laughs> yeah,
3: I I could totally see what you guys are saying. Um, it's just so weird because honestly, like I don't understand what it was that I was so drawn to in him no, when me I first either. watched this. But like, maybe it's just like the confidence or something. Like maybe I found that attractive at the time. Um. I find him to be quite um of a, yeah, he's quite off-putting now to me, like really yes. annoying. Um, but I don't know what that what's what that's about. but um I, yeah.
2: he's literally just cute. Like he has a very, very cute smile. I'm sure that if I had seen him be Link Larkin on Broadway, like I would have thought that he was cute that in that role, I think it's just him that like I was attracted to. I don't like the character is so, so annoying. And no, also like, like Yeah. Messed up in a lot of ways.
3: I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I just, I'm not, I just, it's one of those weird moments where you look back in time and you just can't even put yourself in your own shoes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I no,
0: experienced I'm... so much of this as well as we were going through. Like, you just I think back when we were all younger watching this show, we were all like, oh, that's like he's a good teacher. They all like him a lot. They all respect <laughs> him a lot. They're all talking about how you taught me what it feels, what what it's like to be a man, or just to be a person uh, that's able to go through life and succeed mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of them credit him. They're going to come back after they've graduated and you know check back in with him and just thank him for everything that he's done but so so i think a lot of that is what made us like start to really think that he was good and then as you go back in as an older person and also just re-watching it from you know not that same exact perspective you're like damn this guy sucks
2: <laughs> like yeah and i feel like it's such a gryffindor move to like take all the rap solos for yourself when you're the teacher <laughs> I, yeah. But I can't even explain to you. Like Bust a Move was like my favorite Glee song from season one, <laughs> that I would just listen to and watch. I don't know. I, I'm so I'm so disturbed with myself looking back. <laughs> I would like well, play that I song think... in the car. I would listen to the, like look it up on YouTube. Like it just was like oh, such no. a cool song. <laughs> <laughs> like oh no. Can
0: I point you towards Totally Eclipse of the Heart for season one?
2: <laughs> That's a great one too. I it's not my favorite anymore, but
0: <laughs> okay, good.
2: definitely not none of Mr. Shoe's raps are on my radar at all for being a favorite now they're all in my least favorites yes (laughs) if I'm not being clear
0: (laughs) literally in our podcast description um, that we talk about all the highs of Glee you know the Adele mashups and the lows of Glee the Will Schuster raps
3: (laughs) yeah that's not not a good look Um, and yeah it's just, like I said, it's just so weird to rewatch the show now with a t- completely different perspective. And what's really weird to me is, like, yeah, I mean, yes, I was a lot younger, but I still don't understand. I was, like, 20 or 21 at the time, so I, you'd think that I would have had at least some ability to see. Right. Like, at least, like I said, Martha, at least you have the excuse of being, like, 13, 14 when you watch this uh, versus, like, 20. <laughs>
1: I mean, 20 is still very young and very impressionable, so yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't give yourself too much grief. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. Well, let's. I'm. I'm very excited to throw a slushie into Mr. Shoes face. <laughs> he definitely can take it. Um,
0: he doesn't get them very often. There was uh, one time that he did get one from all the Glee kids because right. they all recognized at once that he hadn't had one yet. But overall, he does not get many slushies, and uh, I'm glad we can correct that here.
2: Me too. <laughs> So, yeah, let's hear from the slushie.
0: William Shuster. William. You naughty
1: boy, you. It's all coming down red today. Welcome to Gryffindor. <laughs> what, what is, okay, so we talked about the Mr. Shoe raps. I feel
2: like the other most cringeworthy Mr. Shoe moment is when Terry feeds him soup and he goes, baby likes the soup. Ew! Why did you have to bring that up? There's,
3: um, <laughs> there's
0: that, and there's him, uh, you know, coming to the Glee kids, telling them, "You're all minorities because oh, okay. you're in the Glee club." <laughs> so, yeah, he's creeping on he really in the shower. <laughs>
2: And singing um, don't stand so close to me to Rachel when she has a crush on her. <laughs> don't stand. Yes. Oh, sorry, a mashup. The... It was a mashup of Don't Stand So Close to Me and what's the other one? Young girl? And young. Young Young
0: girl. Young, young, yeah. <laughs> and she didn't this get is, a message.
2: I know this is just another Mr. Shoe rap, but Gold Digger was not a good look either.
0: No.
3: No, no it
2: was
0: not. They really took it some big not. swings in the early episodes and <laughs> you <They laughs> really, were like, really they let this know. go on for how long? <laughs>
1: And then it hasn't happened since, okay? Because the, the, after the, even after that season was over and the show started getting such a popularity, they just said, you're just going to sit down, grab a ukulele, and that's what you're going to be doing for the rest of the series, because yeah. the rapping...
0: <laughs> now the point that we're at right now is, uh, you know, wedding planning is coming up, and uh, it was funny that he was listing off his requirements of what the wedding needs to have, and he's like, there better be a stage because I have to rap at least once or twice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <This> and... <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just I just love how every time they have a performance like at uh, Carol and Bert's wedding, for instance, it's like, why did Mr. Shu have to be singing at that, too? Like, <laughs> I
3: just am so baffled by why the teachers and students are so involved in each other's personal lives. Like, it's it's just very strange. And especially now that he has both no
1: friends. Yeah. I mean, Martha friend. and I are,
3: are both teachers now. So that adds <laughs> another I mean, that makes it even weirder because it, it shows me just how strange that would really be.
2: Yeah, like Finn and Puck joining the Akafellas. thats like so so bizarre.
0: (laughs) Especially given the performance that those guys ended up doing on that stage, my God! I know, right? It's great for the
2: ladies.
1: All
2: right. Well, speaking of adults in the show becoming way too invested in the students' life, um, our next character is one Sue Sylvester. Um, So let's see how Sue sees it here. Um, Amon, where did you sort Sue? This
1: is an obvious one um i i tried i really tried (laughs) i really tried to do something here but come on i mean sometimes when you when you when you know you know okay and that's how i see it so sue sylvester is a true blue slytherin uh to the point that she even even when she tries to not be a slytherin she's Still a Slytherin, like it just she can't even be nice and not be horrendous and underhanded and cunning, all of those things. And of course she's ambitious. She's won six consecutive national uh, cheerleading championships. She tried to shoot Brittany out of a cannon. Okay, she ripped up a piano in the middle of the hallway and started spewing out racist epithets at freaking Mike Chang and Tina. Like she is just. Unabashed in her, in her, in her shenanigans. It's crazy, like, and it's entertaining. And she definitely has her redeeming qualities as well. But still, Sylvester, she is just, she is a warpath, honey, a warpath.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with you. I put her in Slytherin as well, just for obvious reasons. Um, and I just think about the fact that she got married to herself um that's very very (laughs) Slytherin um and then just she's so witty that's I mean that can be a Ravenclaw trait but it also can be a Slytherin trait obviously all her one liners uh, directed against Will are one of the funniest parts of the show in my opinion um so I think I think and and also just the fact that she literally will do whatever it takes to get her way and to win so I think I definitely
1: feel like yeah, you know, I I definitely feel like if Sue is in a wizarding family, right? The rest of her family, they're they're Ravenclaws, and she is the one Slytherin in that group. And the hat almost did it. The hat was like, you know what? I think I want to put you in Ravenclaw, and she said, Mm-mm, I'm not going over there with them nerds. Put me in Slytherin, <laughs> even though she has the she has the she has the brains for it, but she was like, Mm-mm, can't do it. Sorry. <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, I uh, have to agree. There's really no other house for her. She's got to be in Slytherin. Um there's pretty much every plot with Sue, even the even the like sort of redeeming plots with Sue, she comes out as Slytherin. Even if it's a a slightly good Slytherin, she's still going to be ambitious, she's still going to be very very self-assured, very um like self-involved. Um so I yeah, she's definitely a Slytherin. There's not much else to say. <laughs>
0: Yeah, actually, I had her as a... No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. (laughs) Of course, obviously, Sue Sylvester is a Slytherin. I mean, Slytherin Sue Sylvester, just, I don't know, it writes itself in some stupid way. Um, But yeah, even when when she's not, you know, because again, to go back to the thing where, I mean, this is something I'm obviously, uh, or not, this is something that I've been guilty of as my, you know, before I like reread the books and, you know, your entire childhood as somebody who doesn't dive deep into the books. All you think of as of of Slytherins is the evil people. Of course, you see, you know, Malfoy and all them like you're like, oh, they're all the bad guys. Um, So obviously, you know, your first thought would be to put Sue there maybe for that reason. But even when she's like being nice, even when she's being good, she's still being so like cunning along Mm -hmm. the way, even when she's working towards a good thing, like even when it's not evil intentions, even when she's trying to help the Glee Club win their national championship, it's for herself because she knows that once the Glee Club wins the national championship, then she is getting something out of it as well with Principal Figgins or whatever the case may be. So she's always, you know, she's leaking set lists. She's doing so many underhanded things like like putting this online, putting that on. Like, it's just it's not even close. It's obvious, A very obvious one here. But uh Sue Sylvester as a Slytherin would love to see that written into the books.
2: Yeah, I feel like Sylvester yeah. House, um, Slytherin House. It just just fits. She also looks like a Malfoy, so
0: she does. <laughs> she, does she looks does. Look like more a like a Malfoy than Malfoy does.
2: <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, I I think that's a pretty easy one. I, has Sue ever been slushied? I, I can't remember.
0: I don't think no, so. No, I don't think she has. I, I definitely don't think so. Even well, through six seasons, I don't.
2: She's about to get her first slushie to the face here. <laughs>
0: Sue Sylvester Susan
1: my dear let's keep the alliteration going and place you in Slytherin because you are the world's greatest television villain
0: welcome (laughs) to Slytherin darling
2: wow look at her about to turn 30
0: (laughs) (laughs) you think being a Slytherin is hard try being waterboarded that's hard (laughs)
2: It's the only one I could think of, too, Matt. Yeah. I was like, there's got to be another one that comes to mind besides being waterboarded. More. I but don't know.
0: That
2: was definitely front of mind for me as well. Yeah, um, yeah Sue is really, really funny. And she definitely is problematic in a lot of ways. But um, she is one of, my char- one of the characters that I used to love and that I still do find a lot of humor in, at least. So uh, she's
1: That's a great fine. character. She's great.
0: I'm Very just imagining antagonist. Artie's reaction as he uh, sees Sue coming on over he- to his table. It's just the two of them hanging out for now. Artie is terrified.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's because Artie didn't get put in the right house, if you ask me. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: uh, all right, well, let's move on. We're really just going down the list of my favorites here because unfortunately <laughs> yeah, we've, say. we've reached the final... Martha's favorite character, um, and that is uh, Noah Puckerman. And we're not going to talk about the actor, clearly, but Puck was my other glee crush back in the day. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't really know why. I think it it wasn't the Mohawk, but something about Puck. Kind
3: that of that really bad really boy liked. vibe that kind of really got you?
2: <laughs> the nipple piercing, that must have been it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm currently listening to Naya Rivera's book, uh, you know, the of course, the audiobook format. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know... I don't even know if I re- realized just how long Naya and Mark Salling dated for, and she talks about it a lot in the book. They were together for like three years. Oh, wow, um, wow! And that's just not something that's been on my radar in uh, any way, and uh, we haven't, you know, even talked about it on our podcast yet because I just heard that chapter today, and I was like, "Man, that was uh, that's something."
4: That is something. <laughs>
2: yeah, that is. Yeah. Well, Puck as a character. Um, yeah, Sorry. <laughs> he, he definitely, um, like. It was really hard for me to sort him anywhere besides Slytherin. Um, I'll just say that out the gate here. Um, he definitely has a big, like, superiority complex. He has a, a huge temper. He's a bully. Um, one of his, like, good traits, I guess, is that he's kind of loyal, um, but only really when it's self-serving um, or, like, self-serving to his friends. So I have to say I, I can't really see another house for Puck other than Slytherin. Um I do think he is a complicated character, but a complicated Slytherin.
0: <laughs> well, let me let me jump in there because you said that, and I I had him as one of my first Gryffindor locks. Mm. Ooh. I had him just it's I guess you know there's there's definitely two different sides to him, which makes sense why we're on different pages here. But uh, he overall does turn out to not be the bully that we think he is, and not be the jerk that we like at the end of the day there we, we start to learn so much more about him even over just the first three seasons about a lot of the reasons behind the way that he is you know a lot has to do with his family his dad was you know a, he had a deadbeat dad and he doesn't want to be anything like him anytime somebody calls him a a loser a trigger something in him and at the end of the day whether it's with Quinn whether it's with the rest of the glee, Cl- uh, glee club kids uh he stands up for them in a lot of different ways and by the end of season three when he's getting sent off to to or trying to figure out if he's gonna end up at school or not like he's the one that's getting thrown in the dumpster himself uh like he turns into such an ambassador for the glee club over time and i feel like that courage that he has to stand up for these kids even when he knows the cost that it's going to like the the price he's going to have to pay with losing his reputation losing his status as one of the toughest kids in the school uh, a lot of that just pointed me towards gryffindor
2: Ooh, interesting Uh, Very interesting. Amon, what were your thoughts on Puck?
1: Yeah, he's definitely Slytherin presenting at first glance. I mean, he's, but he does sort of get converted. But I don't even necessarily think if the converting really took all that much because from the very first episode, we see Puck standing up at the top of the auditorium, looking down at his best friend Finn, having so much fun with the Glee kids. And it seems like he wants to be there. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's... He, we've always sort of been led to believe that Puck has so much stuff deeper than the throwing kids in dumpsters type deal and getting, you know, slushing people in the face. And I feel like... I, I, I want to say Gryffindor... But I also kinda of wanna say Hufflepuff because I mean he does I mean, I think the most the, the most screwed up thing that he does, in my opinion, is having sex with Quinn, getting her pregnant, knowing that she that he that she was dating his best friend at the time. Like that was really, 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 really bad thing to do. But he really tries to work at regaining Finn's trust after that because I think that he really does care for Finn. I just think that he lacks impulse control because he's a teenage boy and he got drunk off of wine coolers and they started having sex. You know what I mean? Not to say that I'm making excuses, but I feel (laughs) like he's not as like, I don't think that he's a horrible person. I just think that he makes horrible decisions because of what's been to him. And I feel like more more than anything, he is a very loyal person. Person like he goes hard for his friends. He will go hard for Finn. He even goes hard for Kurt. He will go hard for Artie. He will. I mean, he goes hard for a lot of them. And I mean, he came to school in a freaking dress because Sue said that if somebody were to wear drag, then maybe that would help them win nationals. And he was like, "You know what? I'll do it." And he came to school in a dress. So like I, I feel like he is such a he's a team player. I mean, he is on the football team, but more than that, he wants to you know, inspire community. I think that that's something that's consistent with him. And he also has a certain level of emotional intelligence that we really get to see towards the end of the third season when Quinn is going through like her bad girl phase and he's like, he's like, what are you doing? Like everybody is, you know, so concerned uh, with helping everybody else and no one wanted to stop and help you, Quinn. Like I know you're, you're going through something right now. So I feel like he's, he doesn't get a lot of credit. And I feel like I want to say, I, I hear your argument for Gryffindor but I kind of want to say Hufflepuff because I feel like he is someone who's very interested in the well-being of others.
2: Wow. Three way split. Very, very Um, interesting. Yeah. I,
3: okay. I have to say both of both you, Matt and Amon made some good arguments, but I feel like most of the time I was coming back and in my mind, I can flip it around and make that work for Slytherin. Like, I feel like him, uh, you know, that, that drag, um, example that you gave. Um, that to me sounds like a Slytherin thing where he was like, Oh, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, you know, and he's willing to kind of go there. Um, and so I don't know, to me that, that made it sound like any, it was like more of like a ends justify the means kind of a thing, which to me is Slytherin. Um, I think when he gets Quinn pregnant, that was kind of a Slytherin move to me too, because I feel like he a little bit like manipulated her. Um,
1: he slithered in.
3: Yeah, very exactly. <laughs> with those wine
2: coolers. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but so I just, I just feel like everything he does is from a place of like a little bit of self serving. And I know that like there's more with his backstory and stuff, but I feel like he ends up trying to do everything kind of to further his own means. So that's why I would be, I think I agree most with Martha on this one.
0: So, well, you know, I, mean, I, I, I do feel like season one and I, I think that's uh, maybe a lot of what you guys revisited yeah, um, definitely. season one. I can easily see where the Slytherin comes in there, but it's just as it goes on, I feel like he, like, I think the, the most that we get with puck, because he's also one of those characters, like along the same lines as uh Mercedes, where they're not totally, you know, one of the main characters, they're not highlighted the most. So you kind of have to piece together some things as they pop up. And with him, it does feel like he made a lot of his mistakes early on. Um, Um, And over time, you just see the genuine quality within him that is that that comes out where he really does focus on on keeping all of his friends, keeping all the Glee Club together and keeping everybody, you know, it's just I I have a really hard time seeing Slytherin. and I would sooner go to Hufflepuff. He's a good
2: Slytherin, like. though. I, I really feel like yeah. he's a good Slytherin. I don't
0: know, I, even 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 at that, like just a lot of the qualities. Like I don't see him as being super cunning or super like determined and whatnot. I think a lot of what Amon was saying, like I like I said, I'd sooner like go over to Hufflepuff rather than uh, Slytherin because a, a lot of what he was saying, like the loyalty that he has towards all of his friends. Um, I see that uh, low self esteem. Low self esteem seems to be a quality in Hufflepuffs, and mm-hmm. that is something that is present in Puck, even if it doesn't seem that way. You know. Well, no, right on the exterior. That could,
3: be th- that could be a thing for Slytherin's, like, too. But then, like, my mouth is.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, like... I feel like. Puck and Draco have actually a lot of parallels because I feel like Puck's loyalty, like I, I did point this out, like he does have this loyalty that I do think is central to his character, even though in the first season, I agree, it's more of a like he's sort of loyal. But it does i I, I do agree that as we go through the season the series, he becomes more loyal. But it's loyal to his people. and it's not a loyalty to like everybody. And I, really I feel mine. like it's not it's not a general like, kindness treat people with kindness it's treat my people with kindness and I think that that's kind of central to a, a, a good Slytherin like I like I said I, I actually really do like Puck's character um and I think that he's not an example of like an evil Slytherin even though that's how he presents it first I think he is a Slytherin but I don't think he's a bad Slytherin I think he's he's more of that like complicated Draco like Slytherin
1: and you know like in season four Matt like he literally comes back to the school and it engages in some sort of like hookup with one of the students like he really doesn't like you would think that after all of that after the first three seasons that that would be something that he would never do but he definitely comes back and goes right back into his usual ways so I'm kind of getting turned back on to the Slytherin argument now
0: so. yeah no that's fine I mean plus i at the end of the day like my heart was telling me Gryffindor and I know there is a lot of overlap with Slytherin and Gryffindor so I can you know I I it, it's not not the end of the world. Eh? I can see why, uh, you know, a lot of what you guys are saying. And, um, obviously I'm focusing on like a lot of the good, uh, I don't want to use the word good, but like that kind of qualities <laughs> within him. Um, so yeah, I mean again, uh, Slytherin I Griffin, can totally
1: four. see Artie and Puck being a Slytherin <laughs> together because Artie kinda of looks up to Puck a lot of the way so totally. there's a whole thing with season two where, where he wants to be just like Puck. So in Puck tries to take him under his wing. So they're definitely blowing down in the dungeons. I see it. Well what
2: right. yeah, I think feel I feel like Puck like over and over he's like the reason he loves being in Glee is because like <laughs> It helps his reputation with the ladies. Like I feel like it's very like a self serving like and, and like his plot with Artie like you said, him on with uh, like them singing one love and getting money for it. Like that's that's very slithered. Like he's yeah. not he's not just doing it for the love of music. It's for like his reputation too.
1: Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
2: Yeah well Puck actually is a character who gets quite a few slushies in the face. Um it's time for another
1: one. <laughs> Noah Puckerman, you bad, bad, bad boy. Welcome to Slytherin.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, and who's going to be his. Is, is Lauren Zysys going to save him please, from the slushing? Please, please, please,
0: please, please, <laughs> please let Lauren come by. Oh, I am such a Lauren stan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um She's She's an interesting character. <laughs> I'll give you that. She's not my favorite, but.
0: Yeah, I love Lauren. We we actually like a story that we haven't even told on our, our podcast. Uh, we tried to get a Lauren Ze- or Lauren Zeiss, So We tried to get an Ashley Fink cameo, who is the actress who plays her. Um, but we I, I kind of requested it, I guess, at a bad time. It was about a month ago. And, you know, besides everything with COVID, like a lot of a lot of stuff was going on. And she had responded like doesn't seem like the greatest time, but I appreciate it. And uh, she was like, good luck with the podcast. And I was like, oh, I still love you anyway. But that was <laughs> a tough loss.
2: Yeah. It's a tough loss. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's move on to another football player. And that is um, <laughs> Tr- Trouty Mouth himself, Sam Evans. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, where did you sort Sam?
0: sam is uh is the only one here that amon and i actually talked about prior to coming on today uh, we i, I guess I, we, we kind of agreed to just discuss one um and sam was the one that we talked about so i think we're both on the same page here that sam seemed like a pretty clear hufflepuff um right amon is that where we landed mm-hmm yep yeah do you guys have any I mean, disagreements he... with that
2: mm. why did what were your reasons I, I had it uh, Okay else. well
1: so 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 it's interesting though because Sam definitely there's a there's a it's a, one of the leading stories when it comes to Sam's character is that the Sam from season 2 season 3 is a completely different Sam from season 4 mm-hmm. into the rest of the series like they completely change his entire personality um into season 4. And I think I mean part of it is has has to do with the fact that he gets more screen time in the later seasons, but a, a lot of it is just like I, I I don't know. It just seems like a such a deep contrast. But in regards to season 2 and season 3, he's just a sweet guy, you know? He's the he's the um Cedric Diggory of the cast, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's mm-hmm. fairly athletic. Um he gets made quarterback like, almost immediately, once, in the second season, once uh, Beast kicks Finn off the team for calling her dude. Um, and he is, he's hes good-natured. He seems to, he's fairly rooted um, in his values with, like, his family and everything, and he's so traditional, too. Like, he literally, like, gives Quinn a promise ring and says that he's, <laughs> you know, gonna try and, you know, you know, marry her one day, but he wants to be as, he wants to be as by the book as possible, and He's just your all-American boy type. Um, and he's also just... He's kind... He doesn't really seem to have, like, a really mean spirit. Like, he's mm-hmm. kind of... He seems to be sort of, like... The one thing that I don't necessarily know if isn't necessarily a Hufflepuff quality, but, like, what I've noticed a lot about him in season two is that he kind of likes to stay out of it. You know what I mean? Like, when the whole thing with uh, you know, Artie and Finn went down, um, even though Finn was, like, really, really nice to him, like, he tried to stay out of that whole conversation between the, the two of them and Beast. And he's also like very impartial when it comes to like the whole Kurt thing. Like he doesn't he doesn't necessarily invite Kurt in with open arms when Kurt is openly flirting with him. But he's also not a dick to Kurt. So like he's kind of just like he's chill. He's a very mm-hmm. laid back chill person, and I feel like he would do well in Hufflepuff.
2: Yeah, I I do also see that be like one of his biggest things is he's extremely trusting. Like, um, he totally buys the mono argument of like Quinn saying that she what sucked a gumball out of Finn's mouth and that's how mm-hmm. they both got mono. So that that does seem like a Hufflepuff naive <laughs> character. Um, I was I I'm sold on Hufflepuff, but I I wanted to say the Gryffindor side for him. I did think that the way that he is the one who really like takes on Karofsky um, for Kurt um, in season two. I feel like that's a very Gryffindor thing he does, that especially in comparison to Finn, he's much more willing to um, like put himself on the line um, and be like noble and brave and stand up for Kurt. Um, even though, like you said, he is not necessarily like super in your face about it. He is the one who takes the black guy from Karofsky for that. So I, I felt like that was an important plot line for him. But yeah, I, on the whole- I'm totally sold on putting him into Hufflepuff.
3: Yeah. Um, I will just be honest and say like, I didn't really remember Sam that well, like to, for where I didn't have a strong opinion on him. And so my, you know, I was mainly thinking like, you know, he was, he was a nice guy and he was kind of like that all American boy kind of a thing. Everybody
1: and, loves him.
3: Yeah. popular and just like, e- like e- pretty easygoing, I guess, compared with some of these other people. Um, So I was kind of actually between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor, but I think I've been sold on Hufflepuff at this point. So I'll go with that as well.
0: Yeah, Sam Sam is my winner pick uh, of the Survivor Glee cast, if (laughs) and when that ever happens, because of the likability factor, you know, we'd be good in challenges. Oh, he's totally
1: getting a Fabio edit.
0: Totally. Oh, totally, yes. (laughs) By far uh, my top draft pick off the board there. So, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that makes so much sense.
1: I'm just so like I'm like I'm really hard on like the uh, Cedric Diggory eight comparison. Yeah, I, just I like that a lot. So, uh, I mean, when, as soon as he comes in on the to the glee club, everybody just wants a piece of Sam. Quinn wants a piece, even though she won't admit it. Um, even Rachel even tries to get him to take her to prom, which he a- actually ends up doing. Of course, Kurt is all into it. Finn is kind of threatened by it, but is you know very easily disarmed by Sam because Sam is obviously you know he's just a nice guy. So I just yeah. I, He's um, yeah. He's, Finn, he's yeah. Show.
2: Finn definitely really likes Sam too. He's he's like my new friend. Sam's gonna join. <laughs> like,
0: he's <Yeah>.
2: really <laughs> really enamored with Sam as a friend. So
0: yeah, yeah and no, Sam's let's, gonna let's... Sam's gonna stay in the mix throughout like the you know the entire show, and that really doesn't change for him even as uh, a lot of things change in the Glee universe. It, it, he does stay pretty consistent as the person we meet him as. So
2: mm, yeah. Okay. Um, So, yeah, let's go ahead and throw the slushie in Slam's face here.
0: Samuel
1: Evans. Canary yellow for you, too, my dear. Welcome to Hufflepuff. (laughs) Perfect.
2: Perfect. Um, Yeah, I I, I think he does. That fits with his yellow hair as well, which he does dye. um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right. Well, our next character on the list here, we're getting down to our final five um, and we're going to go through the Cheerios one by one to start. And let's start with um, one Brittany S. Pierce, um, Britney Spears. Yes. Um, this yeah, is going to mon- be a
0: fun one. I, I can't I can't even begin to guess <laughs> where everybody else put Brittany. Um, I guess I'll just start talking because I'm, I'm already talking. <laughs> OK, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I decided that Brittany was a Ravenclaw. Um, mm. Britney is, um, and it, maybe maybe this is too much of a uh, later <laughs> season. Brittany is a secret genius, and that is something that we are going to get to know about her. Um, words that stood out to me while reading up on Ravenclaw's uh, curiosity, curiosity, Creativity, individuality, uh, a bit of disconnection from the outside world seems to be a big thing with Ravenclaws, and uh, that is Brittany to a T. Um, I also saw a line that said, Ravenclaws can be arrogant about their own intelligence and use it as justification to view themselves as being better than others. And you will find many times in this show where Brittany says that she is better than everybody else and she fully believes it.
2: Well, I... I'm not actually surprised to have uh, an argument for Ravenclaw for Brittany here because I do feel like she's very unique um, and very, like, (laughs) like all of her plots... I feel like when she when we whenever we do get a Britney centric episode it is kind of about like her very very unique way of thinking um and the way she sees the world. Um uh, so I do think she's definitely like a unicorn in that way. Um but I also do see her like the way she presents herself and I'm not talking about her intelligence. I just feel like she's just a very caring and kind person too. Um so I would say there's definitely a case for Hufflepuff. Maybe that's the obvious choice for her, but I I do think that in combined with that that uh, creative way of thinking and stuff that's definitely there, but I also think she she's a very generous and open person, um very kind to everybody. So I see the Hufflepuff side as well.
3: Yeah, and as for as you both are describing her, um I'm starting to get a strong Luna Lovegood vibe off of her. Yeah. Um, So that would be a case for Ravenclaw, but I definitely originally thought Hufflepuff as well because I just feel like she's, I don't know, Ravenclaw seems like almost like a little bit too much. Like (laughs) I, I I guess I haven't seen the plot where she turns out to be a secret genius, but I find that to be something where I would have been like annoyed, like this show kind of jumped the shark, but maybe having not seen it, I don't know if that's the case (laughs) or not.
1: But, um, oh no, it's definitely the case.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, I just feel like I mean, trying to pretend like Britney is, is like the smart, secretly the smartest character there is a little bit like hard to believe. But, um, I don't know. I just see her as being a Hufflepuff because I think she's super loyal, um, very open minded, uh, likes everyone, and uh, just yeah, I so that's why I put her into Hufflepuff, but. Um, like I said, I don't necessarily have the full story on Brittany. I guess
0: the Luna Lovegood really—that—that that, I didn't even realize that she's a Ravenclaw. That really feels good to me.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, and just like how Brittany believes in Santa and that kind of thing, I mean, on the surface that does seem like a more Hufflepuff thing, but I guess that you could interpret that as a Ravenclaw thing, kind of like the Luna Lovegood and like the weird things she believes in. So I, I can see that working towards Ravenclaw, even though I originally had that as a Hufflepuff trait.
1: Yeah, Brittany, I agree, Matt. I put her in Gryffindor, or excuse me, in Ravenclaw as well. I think that. I mean, it's talked about a lot throughout the series that her brain just works in different ways. She just kind of exists in this other dimension, um, but she's not she's not entirely just all the way out there. I think that she is probably one of the more emotionally intelligent characters in the entire show. She always calls somebody else out on their BS, specifically Santana in season three with the whole thing with her dealing with being a lesbian and everything, and so. Um, I just feel like Britney, she is, I mean, she gets a lot of laughs in because a lot of the things that she do, do, does say are outlandish. But I think what part of the reason why Britney's one-liners are so funny is because they're kind of, like, based in a small bit of truth. Like, you could you kind of be like, oh, I, I guess I can understand, like, why you would think that, like... During the dentist episode, she says, well, <laughs> I I brushed my teeth and then I, I rinsed it out with Dr. Pepper because I thought that Dr. Pepper was a dentist. And it's like, Brittany, no, but it's like, <laughs> that kind of makes sense. So it's like, you don't, uh, you obviously, you know, grade wise, book smart wise, <laughs> she's not, I mean, she had literally ended the third season with a 0.0 GPA. She literally had to be, she, she's still at McKinley in the fourth season because she has to repeat her senior year. Um and in season five, yeah, she is going to uh, come out as like this secret math genius. But even with that, as an, as as kind of crazy as that um, that character development is, she's still Brittany throughout all of that. She's still the same airhead, um, but she's just really really good at math. So yeah, I'm <laughs> right. I'm really I'm, I'm I want to give it I want to give her uh, the the uh, Ravenclaw house because I just feel like she just sees the world differently, but she can still relate to everyone. And everybody loves Brittany too. Like she's just, she's, I don't know, she's just, she's just a breath of fresh air. And I just feel like <laughs> Hufflepuff wouldn't know what to do with her. But I feel like Ravenclaws, if she was if she were surrounded by a bunch of other Ravenclaws, I really feel like she could do damage.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I definitely remember the Brittany as a secret genius plot and like being like, what? Like, okay, like I was definitely not like, <laughs> on board with it at the time but i i do agree i definitely like the luna parallel and um, like i said Brittany very much sees the world in her own way um and that's a very ravenclaw yeah characteristic so you know it, fine it's with putting her there
3: this is definitely starting to make more sense to me as well and i think like of course we have to remember all the different types of intelligence that we can see in the world. And so um, while the, like, Brittany having the highest IQ in the club and being, like, super book smart doesn't totally make sense to me, um, she definitely, like you guys all said, like, she has some other really strong intelligence in other areas. So um, I think Ravenclaw actually does make a lot of sense for her.
1: And she's yeah. a she's extremely talented dancer as well. Like, she can choreograph a routine like it's nobody's business so she has a lot of technical skills in there it's just you know wrapped up in thinking that babies come from storks and that dr pepper is a dentist only,
2: and, she's uh, only good at choreographing when she has the magic comb though <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my <that's> god <laughs> feels,
0: like, feels like forever ago <laughs> Quarantine is hitting me uh, i love britney so much and uh you know like I like I said, I think earlier uh, I did think I was in Ravenclaw for the longest time, so uh, at least like if I had any kind of Ravenclaw quality, I'm happy to share a small bit of the universe with Brittany.
2: Perfect. Um, the one thing with the dentist thing with Brittany, I just have, like I always think about like what character's breath smells like. It's a very weird trait that I always have, and I just always I'm <laughs> that's just very so weird. Mad. You're right. I'm just so mad that they had that plot of like Brittany having horrible teeth because oh. I like can't. <laughs> can't look at britney without being like oh like her breath must smell really bad and that's just really like <laughs> it really distracts me from how great britney is as a character
0: yeah well over time her and santana are going to do a lot of kissing and i have to imagine that santana got her in the dentist I and mean, on the right track with that
2: the other thing is she does a lot of kissing with a lot of people <laughs> I'm like she's the one who has the worst teeth that dr john stamos has ever seen really <laughs> 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 anyway, let's let's throw the slushie in uh, to Britney's face.
1: <laughs> Britney S. Pierce, not to be confused with Britney Spears. Welcome to Ravenclaw, you wild magical unicorn, you.
2: great um all right well we have two more cheerios to sort and i can see who made this list because um quinn is above like we're we're doing quinn before santana and i feel like that was definitely matt's contribution putting santana as close to the top as possible
0: um (laughs) (laughs) i love quinn too
2: okay i love quinn as well um quinn is a really great character i think um so she was a difficult one for me to sort personally so i i would like to hear what you guys thought of her first before I make a, a final decision, I feel like. Is there somebody who wants to go first? I for her?
1: honestly I honestly have no idea. I'm kind of in a similar boat with really? you. The, she is one of the two characters that I have left blank because I was like, I I I I can make cases for almost everything and I think part of the reason that it's so confusing is because the writers were confused as to what the hell to do with her character. So this is very very hard. I I don't know, but Mike, you or Mike, where the hell did that come from? Matt, <laughs> you sound <laughs> Matt. I was looking at I was looking at Mike Chang's name. And... This is your co-host. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, you I... want me to? All right, I can start off. on quick.
1: Uh, yeah, you sound pretty uh, confident. So give us your thoughts.
0: I don't know about confident. I'm not confident on any of these things. I, I look at the paper and I see what the qualities of these uh, houses are. And I take the words that I see and I, you know, put the character to them. Um, where I landed ultimately ended up also being Ravenclaw. Um, obviously a little bit strange to go back to back with Brittany and Quinn, uh, both being potential Ravenclaws. But to me, a lot of the words that are associated with Ravenclaw stood out to me. Intelligence. Uh, Quinn is very intelligent. Intelligence. She got into Yale and she I mean, that's that's pretty obvious to me. Um, individuality. I feel like Quinn and then also one that uh, where was the other word? Uh, isolation. I don't know that those two are going to go hand in hand. But Quinn obviously like goes through the ringer in uh, at least in season three, but throughout her entire time in the show. She is somebody who, you know, she comes in. Popularity is all that she's ever known. And then as she goes throughout You know, her time in McKinley that gets taken away from her as she, you know, does become pregnant and a lot of the school kind of looks at her differently. Um, She's going to end up finding a new home and a new family in the Glee Club. But the entire time she does feel a little like separated from the rest of the world. And she is kind of doing her own thing, becoming her own person. Um, Once you get to season two and three. Or mostly, I guess, season three, she kind of goes off on her own path, and it's in a bad way in the beginning when she decides to dye her hair uh, pinkish reddish and you know join the skanks and decide that she's gonna you know be an outcast because that's what makes her feel better. Um, but then when she does get back on a better path for herself. It's still all about her. It's all about her and her dreams and what she wants to do. And, you know, even the the prom queen goals that she has in both seasons two and three, she always wants to work towards um, just just setting herself up for the best possible position. And I, I don't know, that might sound like um, it's maybe more of uh, something for other houses. I, I don't know. You guys can tell me. But um, uh, ultimately, like I said, all the all the things that I saw in Ravenclaw spoke to me about Quinn.
2: I okay so that was my first gut instinct for Quinn and I really like everything that you said Matt um I think she's also like super particular about it, that she, what she likes and like almost to a fault that I think that Quinn is she's she's not exactly a perfectionist but I I do think she has those tendencies so I yeah I'm on board with Ravenclaw for her
3: Well yeah I am too I could also see Slytherin just because some of those traits can verge into Slytherin like especially the putting herself first and kind of, like, trying to always do everything to, um, you know, benefit herself in the end, like, that, that could definitely be a Slytherin thing, but I kind of could, I kind of like the Ravenclaw idea for her, just because I do see her as being kind of, like, I don't know, just artsy and kind of, like, maybe not so much just, like, putting herself first as much as just, like, she kind of I don't know. I am not. I'm kind of struggling to say, try uh, express what I'm trying to say here. But like, I feel like she's kind of an individual and kind of a loner. Yeah. Um. And so that's where I kind of see it more as the Ravenclaw side versus Slytherin. Yeah. So I I would have to agree. I think Ravenclaw is a pretty good fit, even though I I didn't have a good house picked out for her. I was kind of thinking Hufflepuff, but she's I don't know if she's really nice enough for Hufflepuff. <laughs>
0: no. no, she's got that mean streak in her. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I struggle because I mean I feel like as as messy as her character is, there is kind of one quality that rings true throughout most of the of her time on the show, and it's her obsession with status and power and image. She wants to be prom queen so damn bad that she literally slaps Rachel in the face over it, <laughs> and she is willing to hide the fact that yes, she can actually stand after her after getting in the car accident. She wants to hide that fact just to you know make it that much more of a powerful story if she were to win prom queen and that's just something that is always there and even even as she begins to calm down a little bit and she dyes her hair back normal and she gets into yale and she's still kind of like you know what i'm better than all of you i kind of just want to leave my past behind and i can't really control what happened then but i am looking towards my future and i am sort like there's a whole number in the third season um where she kind of is just like letting go of finn and sam and puck and all of the guys that she's dated and leaving mckinley behind and i mean it's pretty i mean even into season four like we really don't get any quinn partly because Diane agron is written off of the show but also because (laughs) quinn didn't want to come back quinn was done you know what i mean so i feel like she is so about status power that that really the Slytherin is really coming through because yes her her the the talks about her grades and her success and her aptitude is kind of ex- expressed on the show a lot she's a straight-a student um even when she was going through all of that pregnancy bullshit she was still a straight-a student so i love calling yeah and i i do when- feel
2: like I do feel like one of the Quinn plots that does lead me towards Slytherin is the whole like trying to steal Beth back from Shelby um, plot. Yeah, like, like uh, a rough time
0: there. Yeah, <laughs> even the- what Aman was just saying about how um about how she sees herself as being better than others, I thought that that was a Ravenclaw thing.
3: Yeah, I see. I think that could be Ravenclaw or Slytherin. Like, I feel like, yeah, it's just kind of tough. Like, I. I feel like her perfectionist side—that's what maybe pushes her more into Ravenclaw for me. Versus, like, I don't know, I like I'm struggling to really articulate anything with Quinn exactly. And, and but.
0: here's here's my last argument, Amon. <laughs> so were the story. writers? See if this gives you anything, <laughs> um, there's a lot of a lot of talk with Quinn and Sue over the course of the series, and there's one conversation that stands out to me, Amon. Does this sway you at all? Where Sue is talking to her and saying, "I see mm. so much of myself in you." I know that you remind me of myself, but mm-hmm. you're not me because you are like, you're not, what, is she, what does she even say? You know what I'm talking about, but she's like, you're not you're better. Yeah. You're better than me. You're, you're not as, you know, evil, I guess, as I am again, using those words, but, um, that's the scene that stands out where I don't feel like Sue and Quinn are in the same house.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, that's a really good point. I feel like, that conversation happens multiple times, though, and doesn't the first it one does. doesn't see, say yeah. you're
0: weaker? It's like
2: what she says at first is like we're the same, but you're weaker. Yeah, because
0: we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we follow a lot of Will and we follow a lot of Will and Finn, where the two of them are obviously linked up, and you know Will says to Finn how much he reminds him of him, whatever. But then they start to do that a lot with Quinn and Sue, and that happens, yeah, like you said, a lot of times throughout the series.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I'm willing to. Jump on the Ravenclaw board for her. I mean, uh, Diana Agron does look good in blue. So <laughs> she, looks she looks good, good in, in,
4: every in every color. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: she, she looks does. she looks good in everything. And she is she is sort of she's kind, and that's not necessarily Ravenclaw, but um, and you don't have to be. And there are definitely kind Slytherins as well. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I think that she's really. I think that she's really, really worried about status and not about brains. I just. That's what. That's. That's the thing that it comes back to for me. It's like I feel like she really cares about image. Like, she got into she Yale. Does, and she but they all do. Yale. Like that's. A, that's yeah. just a common
0: thing with every kid in this show. They all that's care true. about their status and image. I mean, they're all. And- but, actually but
1: I wouldn't even. Yeah, but I wouldn't even say that. I think that some of these kids just care about not getting bullied all the time. Not necessarily <laughs> about being cool. They just don't want to get slushed in the face. Whereas. Quinn.
2: Yeah, Quinn is a well, was other people the in the face. girl. Yes, totally. That's very true. I I definitely agree. But I I think that that could still that. I mean that could. I'm not saying it's a Ravenclaw characteristic, but that would be her. Like she does have that characteristic, but she has all these other Ravenclaw characteristics that push her over to the Ravenclaw side. I think.
1: All right. Ravenclaw. You're outnumbered anyway, I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> I was outnumbered. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Lucy Quinn Fabray. Welcome to Ravenclaw. Begrudgingly. Yay. Yes. Oh, Her name okay. is Lucy. Rhyme?
0: Lucy Caboosey.
2: <laughs> I forgot about that if I ever saw it.
0: Wow. I'll just wait. Just <laughs> yeah. wait. Lauren Ices is the one who, uh, who who brings that all about
2: i can't wait i really can't wait for that plot okay all right well we have reached um our our top three characters and of course of course um everybody's top three characters has to include santana lopez so (laughs) let's start with i know we have the biggest santana stand in the house here so matt why don't you start us off with santana
0: who me couldn't be. Yes, Santana Lopez. Um, yeah. You know, of course, I would have loved to put her in like the last spot, but I, I can, you know, know when uh, I should hold back a little bit on there. So yeah, uh, Santana is. Uh, t- I don't know. Is there going to be much debate on this one? It's uh, as as much as Sue seemed like the not the obvious Slytherin, Santana is maybe even more so. Uh, just every single quality about a Slytherin being cunning, being resourceful, being determined, and you know, just doing everything. Everything to get her way, no matter what. Uh that is just Santana to her to her to a T to her core. It's just um she is, you know, not always going to be on the you know like like the dark side kind of thing. She does have a lot of moments where she you know shows human qualities, but I think again, that's trying to argue that some Slytherins can be good. So uh Santana Slytherin.
2: I have to agree. Um yeah, yeah. she's She's a great character, but she is, a, like, definitely Slytherin. Um, yeah. She's, yeah. She's awesome. No,
4: yeah.
3: She tells it like it is. I mean, she doesn't yeah. have a filter, and um, I think that's a Slytherin trait. Pretty much everything she does is a Slytherin trait, um, but a, a very I mean, entertaining intentionally, Slytherin.
1: She intentionally gives Quinn and Finn mono, like, to prove a point. <laughs> like, who does that? And while you know she learned how to be a little bit friendlier throughout the series, it's still sort of like what we talked about with Puck, and that yeah, then she's just she's going to be loyal and she's going to be nice and she's going to you know you know you know be as cool as possible. But it's only going to be because of the fact that you guys are friends now. But she is still, if anybody crosses you, ugh, Santana is going to tear <laughs> them a new asshole in any way that she can. Like there's, I'm thinking about a particular plot point in season four that I can't really talk about with with uh, Santana as it relates to Rachel and they have been enemies, but they became friends in season four and she did something for Rachel that I'm like, "Whoa, man, like she is that. Everybody needs a friend like Santana for the sole purpose of, you know, that if you get crossed, it's going to be hell to pay. So yeah, she is, um, she's sitting right there with Puck and Artie <laughs> and Sue.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he's, she. she's, like you said, like she'd be a great friend if you're her friend, but she you don't want to cross her either, so um, mm-hmm. yeah, and like, yeah, she's she's great, but she's she is a slither, she's great and she's a slither. And I was at the correct, yes. myself.
4: <laughs> yeah, she, but but for that.
1: very ambitious too. Like, she oh, wants yeah. to be famous in the third season, she's like, oh. I want to be famous. I don't care how it happens. I don't care how I get there. I'm going to be famous. And I know I, I know that I am going to be famous. I don't need to go to Broadway like Gay Berry. I don't need to do any of that. I am going to be famous and that. Is that? Like she is to, that it's that's it's literally ambition for ambition's sake. Like nothing else.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's hear what the Slushy has to say. I'm, it's going to be a very fast Slushy
1: announcement. <laughs> Santana Lopez. <laughs> Welcome to Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> that was...
2: <laughs> wow, that malicious laugh from the slushy there at the end. <laughs> um, all right, I well we like are down. For the <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Wait, are there are there Slytherin Ravenclaw relationships that uh, are already existing? Oh.
2: Um. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely the real life Slytherin Ravenclaw relationships. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking there would be, but I
3: I don't know of any examples off the top of my head.
1: Well, well we have <laughs> we have the bloody
3: the
2: bloody Baron and Helen a Ravenclaw. Oh,
3: very oh, true. There
1: it is. I forgot about that one.
2: <laughs> uh, that
3: that worked well, out okay. so
2: well for everyone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I mean, you could probably put Horace Slughorn as like a placeholder, but he has superfluous relationships with everybody so i guess it doesn't (laughs) hold as much water
2: true (laughs) definitely not all right well we are down to our top two characters and of course that is finn and rachel um and we'll start here with finn um so finn was i feel like a little bit tougher than i thought he would be um at first uh but i did end up going with my gut with him which is um a hufflepuff sorting for finn um i think that he's a really like a decent person of course and that's very like a very common theme for his character that he's um very much wants to be kind to everybody but at the same time he doesn't put himself out there um a lot like that's a big conflict with him and Kurt um like his behavior during the Kurt and Karofsky situation he's the one football player in the glee club who doesn't want to stand up to Karofsky and he like tells the glee club that he wasn't there um when they when they got beat up by him and he's very much like doesn't want to like put himself out there too much. So I feel like while he does have these very loyal, kind um accepting characteristics that he grows into especially with the accepting side, I don't think that he necessarily has the nobility of a Gryffindor or the the bravery of a Gryffindor in a lot of ways. So I felt like he was a, a Hufflepuff um for those
0: reasons. I did yeah, have him as a Gryffindor, I, um, but I take your points. What what were you going to say, Mom?
1: I have him as a Hufflepuff as well, um, because I kind of find that he isn't necessarily pointed a lot of the time. Like, he doesn't have... Um, I mean, he do, he does sort of, like, become, like, the, the... He is the captain of the Glee Club, and he is the person that's sort of like Mr. Shu and that he will try and rally the troops and give a rousing speech or whatever, and or try and come up with, you know song ideas or just ideas for the club in general um but i also kind of feel like he bumbles around a bit you know what i mean like he sort of like lacks direction outside of the glee club for pretty much the entire series um even after he graduates and not to say that's like a hufflepuff quality i just think that as it comes to gryffindor i feel like i feel like if he were in gryffindor he would just have much more of an idea of what he wanted in life and i feel like he doesn't really necessarily. He, he 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 doesn't vibrate with the same kind of ambition, um, um or tenacity that the other characters do. He's just a really really kind and good natured person, that everybody sort of just you know looks up to because he's the tallest, <laughs> you know. So I feel like <laughs> By Hufflepuff. Yeah, I feel like Hufflepuff is kind of just the perfect spot for him because I mean if it weren't for Rachel. He would have no problem with, you know, working at Bird's Tire Shop and living out the rest of his days in Lima, Ohio. I think that would honestly make him happy. Because, I mean, we're going to see him in New York a little bit, he's going to say, it's just too fast-paced. It's just not my thing. It's just like, I just, I'm kind of just, I'm a country boy. I just, I don't need any of that. And I just feel like that's very, that's a very Hufflepuff quality.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have him in Hufflepuff just because I feel like um, all the reasons that you guys said, and I just feel like he's a pretty hard worker, and he's kind yeah, of just like a hard worker. Yeah. He's just kind of like willing to do what it takes to get the job done. Not so much like motivated by the idea of like fame or glory or anything, but more of just like, cause he wants to do a good job. Um, he's a really nice guy. Um, and even even though he's popular, I feel like he's popular for like good reasons, like mainly just because he's nice. So that's why I I agree. I thought Hufflepuff for him. I, I can see Gryffindor definitely as a secondary house, but I think this is kind of one of those examples where Gryffindor and Hufflepuff have a lot in common. Um, and I just think he's more of a Hufflepuff.
1: I was gonna say I kind of feel like he kind of like lucked into the social positioning that he has in the at McKinley high because i mean he's we start we meet him as like the football player right he's the quarterback of the football team he's dating the head cheerleader yada 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 he's by all by all stretches of the imagination he should be someone that is mean um but from the very first episode we see that he's not that guy and i think that a lot of other people on the on the quote-unquote cool side or cool kid side can see that which is why like they clown like uh uh santana is always clowning of him because she knows that he's really not about that life, even though he's supposedly supposed to be about that life. And he has, you know, somebody like Puck as a best friend, but he's not about that. Like, he's really just about trying to, you know, you know, make sure that everybody is okay. I mean, he saves Artie in the very first episode. Like, he's just a very loyal and just person. He's mm-hmm. someone that is very focused on the well-being uh, of other people. And yeah, I think that's, I mean, I mean, that's also why he's like drawn to Sam, I think, because they, they kind of yeah. share a lot of those same qualities.
0: Yeah, everything you guys said definitely had me sold on Hufflepuff. You know, going in, um I had Gryffindor, but that's just me seeing him as like the leader, as the captain and that puts me in a, a place where I'm like, "Oh, he, you know, he is a little bit courageous by having, you know, taking charge of the group and uh being the one that's out in front and, you know, being the captain usually you think of that person as as Or at least in my head, I I had that as uh, what I would have thought a Gryffindor would be. Um, But yeah, a lot of the, you know, uh, even as you guys were talking, I'm like rereading over things about Hufflepuff. I'm like, yeah, no, this makes sense. Um, And you know what? To me, a little bit like in the same way that Sue and Quinn, I was like having them in different houses because I don't feel like Quinn is the same level with sue where she would be a slytherin i feel like having finn and will in separate houses also makes sense where a lot of these qualities we were saying like overlaps uh between gryffindors and hufflepuffs um i feel like that makes sense that why will and finn see so much or you know at least will see so much of himself and finn but he's not the same person and we're going to see that over the course of the series where a lot of the decisions that finn makes are not exactly the ones that will would have made like like will knew what he wanted he wanted to be a performer his whole life and he had that set that goal set and finn is a little bit lost on his own path and you know they aren't exactly a one-to-one so having them separated i do think makes sense and uh, yeah i'm sold
2: yeah i think that definitely fits for finn so i'm glad that we sorted off. we had a pretty pretty almost close to unanimous decision there so let's let's get the slushy in finn's face here i hope it's not we're glad it's not Ravenclaw because he hates the blue ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Finn Hudson, I shall gently throw this yellow slushy in your face, my dear. Welcome to Hufflepuff.
2: Um, I, yeah, is the yellow slushy lemon flavor? Did we establish that? That sounds
3: like a mm-hmm. terrible flavor for
1: a slushy. It could be lemon. It could Better be than banana. Banana. Uh, <laughs> banana. Banana sounds way oh.
3: worse. Ugh. Probably like banana lemon lime. It is it be, lemon it, lime a thing? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it could be, be like, like for
2: slushy. Could be like papaya or like uh, papaya. That's orange. So
3: like, like some
1: sort
2: of yeah, pineapple. Some sort of tropical. Farm. There
0: it is, pineapple. There yeah. you go.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Messing <laughs> yeah. me with that banana slushy. Nothing. Yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> that
2: sounds horrible. That's I what. I love word.
0: artificial banana.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wow, that's a hot
1: take. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I love it. So you like like, like banana, the banana taffy? The banana, yes, banana oh. taffies are so good, and the banana runs.
0: Oh, oh, so good.
1: Crunch.
2: Crunch.
0: Ah.
1: I don't want runs
2: no. at all, but I definitely
1: don't no. want them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I always. Technology. We had to, we took some course where we had to like create um because they create a lot of um like candy flavors and stuff out of these uh, chemical compounds called esters, and I forget the exact uh chemical uh, nature of the of the banana esther but like it was the best day of class me i was just oh sitting God. up in there just making it over and over again the whole damn lab smelled like banana lappy taffies and i was
2: Ugh. living it, okay well as the younger sibling i was forced to eat a lot of the candies that alice didn't like growing up and forced i did to. Have to... more like you were blessed to be able
3: to have my leftover candy uh, uh, right
2: so i <laughs> had to eat a lot of banana candy growing up and let's just say um i don't eat a lot of candy anymore at all
0: so i don't even want a yellow skittle
2: yeah, well, those, those are yellow, or those are lemon,
0: right? Yeah. I don't know, but I just it depends. I, I wasn't it depends on the bag. Right. Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah. The, the tropical. I think if
3: it's the red bag, then it's then it's yellow. Uh, then it's lemon flavored, right?
2: If it's the if it's the, the the tropical, tropical Skittles, yeah. And yeah, It's like banana ones, banana
1: ones or like the crazy cores, which are just like oh, right. all over the place.
2: Yeah, that one's like <laughs> banana blueberry or something, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, those are pretty good.
1: Like, uh, they're just doing anything over there. They really yeah, are.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go on, finally, to our queen of the glee club herself, queen of the gold stars, um, Rachel Barry. Um, where <laughs> – Who does somebody want to start us off with, Rachel? Uh, I could start.
3: Um, I feel like, for me, I think Rachel was the protagonist that ended up being in Gryffindor just because – she is so driven and goal-oriented and always trying to, you know, do everything she can to get famous and be a star. So I I put her into Gryffindor. I could, I could see some Ravenclaw traits for her, possibly Slytherin, but I, I'm pretty sold
2: on Gryffindor at this point. Mm, I'm pretty sold on Slytherin at this point. Oh, man.
3: <laughs> I mean, I know she's kind of like... A li- like I know yeah. she can be kind of evil, but like I feel like she's evil in a in a Gryffindor way. Like she's really arrogant um, in a very Gryffindor like headstrong way, where she's like always charging into situations, she's, like
2: bowling other people over. She's just so so ambitious. She's like I and I know Gryffindors can be ambitious too, but she wants like. She wants to be the spot, like, all the time. Like, she is right, so, but... so ambitious. And I think she's Machiavellian, too. Like, she really will do whatever it takes. Um, yeah, she does a lot of really messed up... Cunning. Oh, she does some pretty oh, messed yeah. up things. I, I really feel like sunshine she wants... Sunshine would re... like a word. It, like, yeah, that's what that's the scene I was going to say. <laughs> I feel like that Sunshine <laughs> plot is so messed up, where it's like, Rachel, you are so, like... And also, she wants revenge It wasn't active. Like, she, she wants active. to get she wants to get revenge on everybody that wrongs her. Like when, I, when Finn makes her, she makes, she's upset with Finn because he slept with Santana when they weren't together. So she, she goes and makes out with puck. Like that is so, I just feel like everything that, Rachel does. She's also impulsive. I, I don't know. I that's feel like, I like it's the,
3: the headstrong thing. That's where I see it from Rachel. Like, and that's a Gryffindor trait. Like I get that she has a ton of negative traits and that she can be a very toxic person, but like, I feel like it's in a Gryffindor way. Like she's just bowling people over, like, just like a, I don't know, a Mm bull in a china shop or something. Like I don't see it as being like that underhanded, shady side as much. Like I feel like it's more just her kind of charging in and like trying to knock other people over.
1: (laughs) I feel like, cause I could, I could see, I could see like a Percy edit for her, but. Percy is just more concerned about like holding order because he likes order, right? And of course, yeah, it does kind of like lean into the, like in the later in the series we do find out like yeah he just really he's able to throw his family under the bus for the sole sake of power. But like in the beginning of the series, it was kind of like he was just like a, he was a goody two shoes, and you kind of see that with Rachel. But yeah, it's kind of really hard to ignore because like look, I I was a. I was a self-proclaimed Rachel Berry stan, right? Like, she had my stan card. And then upon this rewatch, I was like, oh, I don't know anymore. Like, the crack house thing, the sleeping with Finn, because she wants to be able to act better in West Side Story. Uh, What else? Like, getting Sandy Ryerson fired, which she unknowingly (laughs) Was that was a good thing that that she did? But she didn't she didn't think that she didn't she actually had no idea that Sandy Ryerson was a, a bit creepy because all he was doing was like <laughs> trying to get this boy to sing from his diaphragm and put and put his hand gently on 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 um uh, on his stomach and then she goes to Figgins and says, "Oh my God, he was caressing him! It was so wrong!" and like brings up all these tears and then starts smiling when she knows that she's about to get her way all of the antics with the Glee Club and protesting when she doesn't get her solos. Like Mm -hmm. it is so over the top at all times. Like I didn't even remember it being this bad where it's like (laughs) I could not stand her the way that I used to. I was embarrassed by her (laughs) so much of the time. And it's just, I really, I would love to put her in Gryffindor because I do think that she is, she does have a very strong sense of self. She is a very, yes. like, she knows exactly what she wants. Um, and, but it's, it's so, on the, on the flip side to that, she is so self-absorbed and so self-contained that I don't know if, and she's such a social climber, too. Like, she is, she's got some horror slughorn tendencies all up in there. And I just don't know if I can put her in Gryffindor knowing all of that. I just... Well, like if we're looking at the lunch tables right now, I don't see her sitting there with Mr. Shu or with (laughs) Kurt or with Blaine. I just don't see it.
3: (laughs) I totally get that. Like she is has so many negative traits. But like I said, I just see them falling more into a negative Gryffindor than a negative Slytherin. Like I feel like and then I do feel like her positive traits that she has would be Gryffindor as well. So that's why to me, like like I just feel like, you know, her positive traits where you like I, I kinda led in with that maybe I shouldn't have, because I do feel like that the the negative side of her is more pronounced when you especially when you watch it now. Um but like her positive traits of just like wanting to be a star and um you know being in the spotlight and stuff, like that's a that's a Gryffindor trait as well. So I just I don't know. I think
1: yeah.
3: I'm pretty I, I can see but that I might be able to, tries hold to
1: here, but she tries yeah. to throw the election in Kurt's favor in season three by like putting a bunch <laughs> of votes in there. Like, I I, I really I really want to be on Team Gryffindor too, Alice. I really do, and I I'm, I'm getting swayed a little bit because she is very. I mean, the ultimate thing for her is like just success because she just wants to be like her idols, right? She wants her her name in the spotlight because she doesn't really get it. A lot of the time in her life at McKinley, you know what I mean. She wants to be that special girl, and she hold she held so much. Um, she held so much uh, value in the fact that Finn chose her over somebody like Quinn. So there's like there's there's that small little girl that just wants to be appreciated, and I think that is a very Gryffindor thing. She just you know she wants to have the fame and the glory of it all. But what she's willing to do to get it—it's like, damn! Like, I it's, just, <laughs> its so hard to swallow. And I guess maybe a bit of this is also being colored with the new perspective of how her portrayal, <laughs> uh, portrayal, Leah Michelle is—you know—being outed as like this right. mega mean person. Um, but. I'm like, well, it's kind of like what what came first, with the chicken or the egg. Like, is she Rachel because Leah is Rachel, or is like, you know, did she become bad because Rachel is bad? You know what I mean? It's just like you, you you'll never know. But I just, I think that one thing is continuously ringing true, and that Rachel will, uh, she she gets a lot better throughout the rest of the series. And if I'm gonna be on the on the the Gryffindor side, it's gonna be because of that because. She, def- she definitely tempers herself a lot throughout the rest of the series. But if we're talking strictly about seasons one through three... Girl.
3: <laughs> well,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. Matt,
3: what well, are We you have really heard from Matt, so we need to get your take.
0: Yeah, so when Rachel sits down and the sorting hat jumps up on top of her head... The Sorting Hat tells her that she would be good for Slytherin, and Rachel very quickly says, no, 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 not Slytherin, anything but Slytherin, and she decides that she would rather be in Gryffindor. Um, Gryffindor is where I landed, and it was kind of specifically because of what I just said. Uh, I feel like if you ultimately get to choose where you go... And you have a say in it. Rachel is not letting herself land in the Slytherin house. As much as I agree with all of the Slytherin arguments, which is like I'm saying that I think she probably belongs there. I think it's so close for both of these that she ends up in Gryffindor. I feel like Um, she is... Everything Aman said about how, you know, seasons one, two, and three, like, that is very Slytherin, but I don't know, is that just because she's young and, you know, working towards these dreams that she knows that she can, you know, have come true because she knows that she can do it? And then she gets to seasons <sighs> four, five, and six to have it all play out, and she kind of becomes but more why? Human. See, I could understand that argument,
1: But if you didn't want Sunshine to get any of the solos, why didn't you just send her... Why didn't you just give her the wrong time? Why didn't you just say, oh, sorry, auditions are cancelled. Why did you send her to a crack house?
2: I I Rachel, like, I I do see Gryffindor uh, traits in her, but I don't think that she necessarily actually wants to be in Gryffindor. I, I do see what you're saying, Matt, um, but I actually think that she would be fine with being in Slytherin because Slytherin is the house of power and Slytherin is the house of ambition and she self-describes as very very ambitious and will do whatever it takes i think that she i don't think she necessarily would be like she wants the house that's the 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 most negative reputation she does care about reputation but i don't think she'd be like anti-slytherin at all especially because rachel doesn't she doesn't want to be the hero like that's never her she wants to just be the star like she doesn't she's not trying to be everybody's hero she's just trying to be like i I think she's She's just too terrified like yeah. I know she, I know she's trying to be the
3: star, but like she does legitimately see herself as the the hero. Like oh,
2: she her story, but not to anybody else. Well, she's not she's not saving people, is what I'm saying. No,
3: she I don't think she's saving
0: everybody to... when it comes to a regionals or a sectionals <laughs> performance. She thinks, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they go on without her, they're gonna fail, even though they don't. They do succeed every time. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: just, I just, I think that we rarely actually choose people for Gryffindor for negative reasons. And I think that it does make sense to put her with Will because I think that she and Will have a lot in common. They do. Like (laughs) and and not in a good way. It's like they're both just so self-centered in like in the way that they think that they're the hero. Not in like a I just I don't see it as much of that sly cunning side as like a just (sighs) in your face steamrolling.
2: She's so cunning. I feel like everything she does is like very underhanded and like. But everybody sees right through it. Like they well, all know she's doing that.
0: It's, like it's truly the most 50-50 I've been on any character because I do agree that she's cunning. But then you also see like in season three, she fails her Niata audition and she takes every ounce of like, like, I don't know. Would you call that courage, Amon? That she takes all of this within her to chase after what she wants. But then that's also ambition, which is that's a Slytherin trait. Yeah,
2: hmm. this is tough. Well, I just feel like, okay, you, Alice, at the beginning of your sort, you said, like, we have a Gryffindor protagonist again. Like, I-, I know that Rachel is problematic. I know that Rachel is, like, has a lot of traits that are not great. But I-, I think I think this is a show with a Slytherin protagonist, and that's not a bad thing. I think it's actually good. We have so few shows with Slytherin protagonist, even though Rachel, again, she's not somebody that people are like aspiring to be like, but she is the star of the show and to have a Slytherin protagonist is significant, I think.
3: Well, I just think she's a, still a Gryffindor protagonist and just not a good protagonist. Like <laughs> no, she's an antihero kind of. Yeah. I mm. I don't know. I I she's, okay, You know what? She kind of reminds
1: I... me of Rita Skeeter in a way. Because <laughs> Rita like while you kind of like don't necessarily she's sort of like nebulous in that you don't you don't necessarily understand like where she allies herself whether or not she's a light wizard or she a dark wizard or whatever but she is she's very like she's very she runs fast and loose with the truth and it's all about putting her name out there she wants to be the next greatest journalist or novelist and she's willing to do whatever it takes to editorialize her way to the top. And I kind of feel like that's kind of the same thing that Rachel does. And it's like, well, what house would you put Rita in? Because I don't feel like that's, I feel like Rita's a a Slytherin too. You know what I mean? Like I just.
2: (sighs) Yeah. Rita Skeeter doesn't have an official house. People generally say either Ravenclaw or Slytherin for her. I do feel like probably Jacob Ben Israel is the Rita Skeeter of Glee. though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
0: That's true. But uh, this, I mean, Aman, I, What do you think when the hat goes on her head? What do you think she like? Do you think anything that does that have to, anything to do with anything? Does she have a preference? <laughs>
1: um. I mean, I do think that she would.
2: Are her motivations really to be seen as noble and brave? Like I don't think that's really what. Yeah, she
3: thinks she's the hero of her own narrative. No, she
2: thinks she is the most talented person in the room, and that she should get all the rules because she's so talented and perfect. It's not because she's a good person.
1: I don't know if she. I don't know if she Like, if if the only reason that she would shy away from Slytherin is because she wouldn't want to be deemed as like that that's the bad house you know what I mean I don't want to be a part of the bad house but then you think about all of the bad things that she is willing to do it's like I don't necessarily know if the if the sorting hat gives her a choice I don't think that I think that's more likely to happen for somebody like her I don't yeah. think there I think the I think the sorting hat is going to say one or the other and that's it you know
3: Yeah, I just think like, to me, the person I actually kind of feel like I see the most of her in is like a James Potter. Uh, Very like arrogant and kind of like, but is still a hero. You know what I mean? And from many perspectives. So this is why, I don't know, I just, I I just want to, I really want to see that like, I want us to acknowledge that Gryffindors can be, have those negative
2: traits. I completely yeah. agree, and that's why Will Schuster's a Gryffindor. <laughs> exactly, and then <laughs> Rachel is the new Will Schuster. Oh, they're just, I feel like Rachel would never become a teacher. Like, Rachel's not gonna choose would that she, profession. she, like,
3: go on and coach the Glee Club?
2: Well...
1: Because she fails at, you know, being too <laughs> ambitious because she screws up her, uh, her slot at Niada and tries to, like, go all the way to the top by getting a TV show, but it backfires. <laughs> the,
2: yeah she's i I'm not I, we we can have a deadlock here to have the listeners decide if we're really if there's nobody who's gonna concede here because I'm not <laughs> I, I
1: I also can't because it was the first thing that I put down when I said and i and I did go back and forth I was like, Armand are you are you doing this to be incendiary like are you doing this because it's gonna be like ooh, Rachel slytherin, ooh, that's interesting a choice, but no, the more and more we talk about it, and I'm like I really think that she is she is willing to do whatever she wants and she it's a learned beha- it's a it's a behavior that she has to unlearn it's something yeah. that's very innate in her and she has to temper that and the same thing happens with Santana you know what i mean like but it's still there at the end of the day which is why Santana and Rachel are going to literally fight in season 5 because they are so similar in a lot of ways and neither one of them will back down so i just feel like yeah, real recognize real <laughs> because they're both in the same house. Yeah.
3: I, I mean, I get the ambitious side to her. That's definitely what I see the most of the Slytherin. Um, and I, I know that she's willing to do what it takes, but I just still see it as a much more direct and in your face thing than, than a lot of the Slytherin characters that we see.
1: I don't think, I just don't think that she's chivalrous. I don't think that no. Rachel is concerned about anybody else but herself. And she learns to right. be concerned about, um, She's she, she certainly she's certainly very courageous. She has a lot of nerve. She really does. But that also is more to do with herself and not to do with anybody. Yeah. Um,
2: well. Okay. Oh, I really I really feel like it's coming down to Matt who decides oh, whether whether it's and she literally says so. You know what? You know more? what?
1: I'll give this I'll give this to Matt because we, she literally because we we talk about this with the conversation that she has with um with Mercedes. And she says, Mercedes, that's your problem. You want everybody to like you. I don't care. So you know what? In your in your question, Matt, would she choose Slytherin? She, she doesn't, doesn't care. care. Huh? Matt, you can decide
2: where she can say that we're <laughs> going to put it to a pawn. Okay.
3: And we're have Here's to the to thing. The good team. I, <laughs> I can see the way this is. I can, th- I can allow us to say she's in Slytherin. I will do that. But yeah. I still stand by my Gryffindor... So my Edward
2: is a Ravenclaw. Um. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. I I was coming from it where I do believe that she is a Slytherin that would choose Gryffindor, like I said. But at the end of the day, when you the beginning of that sentence was, I believe she is a Slytherin. So that's
3: right. That we, does feel. Yeah, we can put her into Slytherin, and I do feel like we're gonna get a lot of people who agree that she's in Slytherin. But I just want to point out, like that I like I really do feel that she that her negative traits are negative Gryffindor traits um and she does have an ambition but Gryffindors can also be ambitious and they can want big things for themselves too um so I'm just trying to say that I still stand by my own personal sorting of her and and that I I'm not trying to say she's a Gryffindor because I think she's an amazing heroic person. I'm saying she's a Gryffindor for negative traits. Tra- tra- well,
2: and this is very this does not happen very often on the Sorted Cats where you are this fired up and you don't get your way because I I feel like this happens to me all the time. Oh yeah, because after- you're such a victim. This is a classic <laughs> classic Gryffindor. <laughs> Who thinks that they're a huge victim? <laughs> well, our most recent sorting out, our Twilight one, um, I I got a lot of uh, support of, of Edward being in Ravenclaw. Uh, so maybe you'll maybe you'll get the redemption like I did. That's what yeah, I'm saying.
3: Possibly, we'll see. Got a lot I... of people
2: validating you.
3: Oh yeah, I just feel like people will kind of jump on the Rachel Slytherin train because that's it, it makes sense. I get I get what you're saying. I just think that she's more of a, uh, truly a Gryffindor than a than a Slytherin. I, I get that she also doesn't stand up for the little guy or anything like that, but.
1: She doesn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, well, let us go ahead and throw the slushie in Rachel's face.
1: <laughs> Rachel, Barry, you star, you cunning star. Welcome to Slytherin
2: well that, that one was the
1: most satisfying for me <laughs>
2: yes it was very satisfying to hear um okay so we have sorted our our 14 glee characters and we ended up with um a pretty even mix here we have um three only three gryffindors which is kind of a surprise um in mr Shu, kurt and blaine um then I we have... have then we have five <laughs> slytherins um sue sylvester rachel santana um arty and puck That's a pretty diverse group.
0: (laughs) Then we have
2: three Hufflepuffs in Finn, Mercedes, and Sam. And three Ravenclaws in Quinn, Brittany, and Tina. So that was...
1: (laughs) Tina and Quinn are looking at Brittany like, what the fuck is he doing? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> true this is more
3: of an even split than we usually get usually it's more like 50-50 Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, or sorry Gryffindor, Slytherin and then like one Ravenclaw and one Hufflepuff each So
2: true um yeah, so we do have characters for the lightning round here, but we are three hours in. Um Mike uh Mike. on from
0: Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: true. That's probably what I was gonna say. Um Matt and Lamont, are you guys good to do the lightning round really fast here?
0: Yeah, it won't take long.
2: Okay. <laughs> so yes, Mike is our first character on the list here. Um I'll quickly say Hufflepuff for him. I said I Raven also
0: Oh, I said Ravenclaw in the same kind of way of, uh, you know, kind of why Britney's there, just the creativity. uh, And and that's that really what is what stands out to me of him, because obviously he's a dancer. He really loves to express himself. And um, that's what stood out.
2: He's just so nice, though. I feel like Mike is like just such a nice guy. I that was another Glee crush of mine. And that's the only one that I'm not feeling problematic about now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I would have to say Hufflepuff. Um, I could see the Ravenclaw, but um, I think Hufflepuff as well.
1: Okay. Me too.
0: I All think. right.
2: <laughs> um, and we we don't need to do the slushy for, for the
0: lightning round here.
2: Um, moving down the list, we have Emma Pillsbury. Um, I said Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. For
0: her.
2: Ravenclaw. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is she a Ravenclaw? I didn't really know what to do with Emma.
1: The attention to detail. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. that uh, has a lot to do with her OCD, but... I just think that she, I mean, she's a, she's a, you know, she's a guidance counselor, so she's a bit of a know-it-all, you know what I mean? This is what (laughs) she should do. Like, she's, you know, that's, that's Emma. Yeah,
2: she definitely has a very particular way of doing things. She's a perfectionist, so. I could
3: have maybe seen Hufflepuff for her, but, um, I think Ravenclaw
2: fits better. Yeah. Okay, um, Coach Beast. I said Gryffindor. I said Gryffindor. Yeah.
1: Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Definitely Gryffindor.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pretty easy one. Um, Becky Jackson,
0: my queen, my Slytherin queen. <laughs> yeah, S- Slytherin definitely Slytherin. <laughs> this,
2: yeah, I was between Hufflepuff and Slytherin for her, but I do think she's very ambitious.
0: So very, well, very, yeah.
2: And you
3: kind of, like, I kind of forget how she'll have, like, little jabs. And, I mean, Sue Sylvester is, like, her main mentor. So I feel like she's headed straight for Slytherin as well.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like, she's not leaving Sue's side. And I think Sue encapsulates it pretty well with this one line. It's like, you know what, Becky? You're a bitch. (laughs) And she (laughs) smiles at that. So She's so
2: excited. Definitely Slytherin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Next one is Principal Figgins. Hufflepuff. I, I was
0: the know a, He was a, a Figgins. He was like the squib. hardest one out of all he's these. A damn really hard. Squib. Okay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I was between Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw for him. I felt like he is a big rule follower, like obsessed with the like what's in the rule book and stuff. But I was um, just convinced
3: that he was a Hufflepuff when I saw him on his hands and knees scrubbing slushy off the floor.
2: <laughs> Very hardworking. <laughs>
3: Yes, exactly. And just kind of like, I mean, not all the Hufflepuffs are like this, but I do feel like he's a bit of an old duffer.
2: He's also very easily hoodwinked.
3: Uh, exactly. So.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: loyalty, right? Loyalty is a Hufflepuff trait. Uh, yes. He's very, very loyal to the budget of the school and okay. uh, will do anything to stand up for the budget.
2: Yeah. Okay. So so Hufflepuff for Figgins, that's fine.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Next one, Sugar, who's not a character I remember super well.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. I
2: don't
0: either. Sugar, what did you say, Amon? I said Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw? Are you serious? Well, that's I what I like said. I was... That's
2: what I said based on the little that I remember about her. But I, I don't I think if... I should.
0: <laughs> yeah, if Brittany was going to be a Ravenclaw, I feel like I got to give it to Sugar <laughs> for similar reasons.
1: Mm-mm. No, she is not as smart as Brittany is. Um, I say Gryffindor for Sugar. I think that Sugar, if anything, she is she is daring. She is in your face about it, she is just, you know, she's bold. Um, and, she does have a lot of confidence too. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, also I thought about Slytherin, isn't Slytherin like really high on like, you know, family, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Family lineage. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just
1: pure bloods in general. A lot of them end up being in Slytherin, but like, I feel like a lot of pure blood families are kind of, with the exception of the Weasleys, of course. Um, but I, I just don't. I don't. I don't think that she is. Uh, I don't think she really cares. I that feel much. like she's
0: pretty mean.
1: Uh, yeah, but I think she's mean for like one episode, and then the novelty of it wears off. Like the self, the self-diagnosed Aspergers is kind of just like a joke for the first episode, and then it, you, like, never hear from it again. You know what I mean? Yeah, but kinda it kind of like
0: sticks back. with her character over time, that she she really just says whatever she's thinking, even when it's, like, past the point of where she just says Asperger's after saying that. But everything seems good-natured after that,
1: you know what I mean? And she was willing to, like, give the Glee Club all this money just so that they could, you know, True. not have to worry about the budget. I just feel like she's just, you know, she's in it for the good fight, you know, she's just and she's, and she's also very supportive. I, I, I'm going Gryffindor for her.
2: Well, we have our first ever Griffin claw in Sugar because <laughs> I don't know how to I don't want to break a tie of a character I don't
3: remember super
0: well. And yeah. and, and, and I literally
3: don't remember her at all, so I I really feel
2: unqualified here.
0: You're both breaking my heart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will I'm I'm definitely going to continue with my rewatch and I right, like as, as I was like investigating Sugar, I did some memories did come back of like the premiere of season three, especially. I remember her and her dad and stuff with the pianos, but yeah. We I... can
1: put a pin in it, and then whenever you guys <laughs> roll around into remembering Sugar a little bit more, okay. uh, we'll send out a tweet. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> to Perfect. let everybody know.
2: Okay. Um, all right, Jesse St. James. Um, having just, having, I'm sure you all have just recently watched the Hamilton recording, and I'm surprised yes. that we didn't get to see. Jesse St. James's extremely wet lips. Um, in, in Glee. Maybe that's like. I'm glad we didn't get up. to see that. Um, I put Jesse into Slytherin.
0: Yes, absolutely, yeah.
1: no question. Yeah. Which um, makes
0: you know Jesse and Rachel being in the same house. I uh, I I think that makes sense.
1: There you yeah. go. There you go.
2: Um, no and comments. then finally, finally <laughs> <Sorry>. we have. <laughs> Finally, we have Terry Schuster, um, one of the queens of season one, who doesn't really come back at all. Um, she's pretty clearly a Slytherin, I think. Yeah, I put her as Slytherin for sure.
1: Yes, I put her as Gryffindor, but I'm moving for Slytherin. I think that yet yeah, she, <laughs> what she did was really messed up, but she's not really. I think that 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 was just like a manifestation of a really bad character flaw. You know what I mean? Because she's not. It's not like she goes around and is trying to make Will's life a living hell she just suffers from like a lot of anxiety and she wanted all the attention from her husband because she felt like she was losing him and so she decides she thought that she was pregnant and she found out that she wasn't but he was already so happy and then she didn't know how to tell him and then it just snowballed into like this really really bad thing and she tried everything that she could to do so I don't think that she's inherently a bad person I just think that she just got caught up but she's very very bold and very very like in your face and so I kind of went with Gryffindor, but you know what? Uh, uh, taking a whole human existence is kind of fucked. So I guess <laughs> <different>. <laughs> I've talked myself into it.
2: All right, Terry's in Slytherin. Um, all right, and that is the end of our characters for the Lightning Round. I feel like we could do a lot more characters, but we are at the three-hour mark here, so we we will wrap it up now.
0: No, but yeah, not. this is this is going to be going on. Uh, I believe both feeds. This is officially going to be our first podcast uh, that hits longer than two hours. We've uh, somehow not hit it yet, but even when you had is, Mike
2: Bloom as a guest,
0: yeah, we we somehow meant uh, kept it under two hours every time.
3: Wow, I <laughs> um, never thought that I would be talking more than Mike Bloom, but apparently
4: achieved
2: <laughs> <I've> that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes well and yeah so that is the end of our sorting hat here matt and amon thank you so much for joining us we had so much fun talking about these characters with you yes
0: yes uh, thank, thank you guys for having us uh, yes uh and and of course when you continue your rewatch we were happy to have either both of you on whatever whoever wants to come on and talk to us please do yes, um, please. we only go for two hours or less so uh <laughs> we won't take up too much of your time
2: I, yeah, I always feel bad when we have guests on the show and we're like... Uh, I mean, for this one, I feel like you probably knew how long it would take, but sometimes yeah. when we have guests who haven't listened to our show ever or, like, don't mess the character list ahead of time or something, we're, like, not sure of what they're expecting. <laughs> this was this was one of our longest ones yet, though, so... It actually was,
3: and I, I think it was... Honestly, I'm, I'm really taken with how complex these characters are i think that is a really good Mm -hmm. sign about for any show that you have a lot of debate on the characters i think that's that's always good so that was a lot of fun um and thank you guys for all the prep work you put into it because you guys did a great job yes
2: um so matt and i'm on where can listeners find you if they're not already following you
1: you can find us uh at choir room pod on twitter you can also follow us individually I'm at Amon Adwin, Matt is at Matt Lagori and also I just want to say I'm so happy that we did this. I'm such big fans of the both of you, so getting to do this with you guys and with Matt has just been a really, really, really special evening for me, so I'm... Hoping that everybody that listened to this um, is having as much fun as we did recording. It.
2: <laughs> yes, this was a this was such a blast. I'm so glad we could finally do this, and of course you guys are both invited to come on anytime in the future as well. Um, yeah, so we are so glad you guys could join us, and um, for listeners who are. Um, tuning in we will be back on monday with our next character study which will be albus dumbledore part two um we're on twitter at real weird sister um facebook.com slash real weird sisters and make sure that you are subscribed in itunes and you've given us nice five star ratings and reviews um again we'll be back on monday with our albus dumbledore character study and until then we're the real weird sisters We're the weird sisters. We're the real weird sisters. All you other weird sisters are fine, but not the victors. Will the real weird sisters please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up.